Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another issue. Fuck. Woo! Leave that in there. I'm leaving it in. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast uh, recorded live in the back room at King's Comics in Sydney, uh, home to the many laughing voices you just heard when I fucked up. <laughs> my name's Andrew Levins. Uh, my name's Siobhan Coops. And every week we read all the comics that came out the week prior and let you know which one of the comics you should be reading too. Yes. We cook every episode off by reading all the number ones before moving on to the regular books from DC, Marvel, Image, and more. But before we move any any step forward, we need to thank someone for making this episode uh, possible. Oh, nice. Uh, we have a little Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. And uh, one of the most important things uh, that we do for our patrons that I forgot about until this week is <laughs> saying thank you. So this week's episode is being brought to you by Ethan Parker-Smith. Ah, Hey, Ethan. Hey, Ethan. I know nothing about you, but I assume you like comics. You seem amazing. paying for podcasts. I appreciate you. Um, and uh, this episode is dedicated to you. That's nice. Do you want to sing a song, Siobhan? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like Siobhan to not sing a song to you, uh, join our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash series podcast. Uh, you know, if you can kick anything between two and two million dollars uh, towards us to create new content, which is something that we did last week. Yep. We recorded uh, two bonus episodes last week. One of them was an interview with Ryan Griffin, the creator of Clever Man, uh, which you'll be able to get just in the regular podcast feed if you go to our feed. And if you only listen to last week's episode and then nothing in between, there'll be another one there Ooh. of us interviewing uh, the Clever Man creator, Ryan, who was an absolute legend. Yeah, but the comics fun. that he grew up with and what he wants to do with the show moving forward. Mm-hmm. Have you started watching the season two of uh, Clever Man yet? No. I haven't even finished season one, but You're I will. The worst. Uh, I am the worst in this instance and only this instance. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> Um, but uh, the other one we did was uh, one that we've been meaning to do for a while. We kept mm-hmm. meaning to kind of include it in uh, already very bloated regular episodes, but we basically took aside the eight-ish graphic novels that we read in June mm-hmm. and uh, reviewed, reviewed them all. For um, That is a Patreon-exclusive uh, podcast that came out of nowhere. It wasn't even meant to be you know, a thing that existed. Just freestyled it. And now it's uh, now it's out there for you to listen to if you are a patron. There's so, some good uh, recommendations in there. Yeah, there's great ones. We, we, we review um, uh, the latest 
uh, what's it called? Empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you reviewed some European stuff. There's mm-hmm. some manga reviews. Yep. Um, it's really, really fun. It was, it was a fun thing to do. And we're going to do that every month and uh, it'll be a patron exclusive each time we do it. So, yep. Great. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. My brain's not there. Uh, Siobhan's brain is, is not here this week. It's not here. Just her body. Um, yep. Reviewing comics for you. Um, and uh, this week we're going to be sending out our first uh, mailing list. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, contributions from myself, uh, the brainless Siobhan and yep. uh, Jim. Is uh, is contributing an article about Savage Dragon apparently. <laughs> so if you want, if you would like well, some uh, been waiting for. comic related writing in your mailbox, another reason to join our Patreon, which is Patreon.com/slash/SeriousDigitalPodcast. And thanks again to the uh, presenter. He didn't even know this is what we're signing up for, but he's officially the, the our proud, proud sponsor of this episode, Ethan our Parker dad, Smith. Ethan. Thanks, Ethan. Um, on to the reviews. We kick every episode off with first things first, in which we review all of the new number one issues that came out last week. And uh, I've got a, quite a quite a decent pile in front mm. of me. How about yeah, you, Siobhan? Yeah, a bit of a stack. I think I actually, I mean, we, yeah. famous last words, but I think I read everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, someone's done, I should, I should put up on our Twitter or our Facebook, someone's done a series, such as Bingo. Yeah, it's really in funny. In which we say, you know, you, can't, you crown off all the, all the times that I, I can't think of anything. I can't think of one thing. Say the things are the best. Yeah. I, I say <laughs> say the things, things are the your best. favorite comic or of the week. Or I say something bad about Brian Bendis. Yeah. <laughs> but one of them definitely should be you saying that you think you read everything. Yeah. 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 There's definitely one that's that like, didn't. oh, I forgot to read that, which is definitely <laughs> me. Um, so um, on to our number one reviews. Um, and uh, look, it's been the last month has been us kind of reviewing all of these. They are the, uh, the DC and Looney Tunes crossovers that DC published. Um, and up until this week, I thought they were all kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. And it was Great. just like, yeah, they weren't, they definitely wasn't, wasn't really made aware who they were for, if anyone mm. was enjoying them. Um, and they just kind of just felt like this kind of like almost fun novelty that wasn't really that fun at all. Yeah. That was the key thing that it was just like the main feeling I had about these was just why? Just yes. why does this exist? Who is this for? Who decided this was a good idea? And I guess one of like the bigger problems was that so these 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 crossover issues are split into into well, the first two thirds of the comic are like a kind of a grounded DC universe tale featuring these goofy Looney Tunes characters, but a more grounded version of themselves. Very gritty. And then at the back is uh, like a you know the Looney, the Looney Tunes cartooning kind of style uh, strip with the DC characters in it. Um, now those have been by far the highlight of these issues for me so far mm-hmm. um, and we got two of these issues this week one of them is Batman and Elmer Fudd and the other one is Jonah Hex and Yosemite Sam and one of them was one of the best comics I've read all year really? Right, what, I re- uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll get into this one and then the other one I thought was just another prime example of why this event yeah. hasn't worked at all Okay, the one that I loved Batman and Elmer Fudd by Tom King with art by Lee Weeks. I would have really enjoyed it if you'd said Yosemite Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hated that. <laughs> um, this also had great covers from Laverne Kinzierski. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Tom King, we've, we've pretty much really enjoyed everything he's done so far. Mm-hmm. Um, in a relatively young comics career, mm-hmm. he's, he's, a, he's done a lifetimes of, of, of work before becoming a, a comic book writer, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan of his of his Batman run and The Vision and um, Sheriff of Babylon, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Omega Men. Uh, and so, yeah, this is him writing a, a Batman story, which features uh, Elmer Fudd, who was the um, the hunter who was always hunting wabbits yep. as a speech impediment. And this entire book is narrated by Elmer Fudd, complete with speech impediment. So the, the letter W is featured very prominently. I imagine that might be one of the few things that might stop someone from enjoying this book. Yeah, yeah, 
sometimes it's like a little bit hard to read, but it's um, it's not that it's not that bad. But what I really loved about this was it's a complete noir kind of Batman story mm. featuring all of the Looney Tunes characters or just rather like, you know, humanized versions of them that just say the catchphrases in like this dodgy bar in Gotham called Porky's. Yeah, and look is... a little bit like the characters. So they're not fully anthropomorphized, thank goodness. But like Bugs is a tall, skinny guy with big buck teeth. But yeah, I mean, we were saying how much that we, one of the few ones that we kind of thought was okay was a Legion of Superheroes, Bugs Bunny, and that one worked because it was just straight up Bugs Bunny in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the other ones that have tried to kind of ground these and I, I definitely think Yosemite Sam is, is an example mm. of that. Made the, these cartoon characters less cartoony. Hasn't worked. But this one, you know, it, they, just, they just feel like... They feel like characters that have been in Gotham forever. Yeah, totally. That have these, you know, familiar catchphrases. They um, don't seem out of the ordinary for, like, a Batman's rogues gallery. Exactly. Um, and uh, so you have, like, people like Foghorn Leghorn and my, even Marsh, uh, Marvin the Martian shows up as someone in, like, a green kind of fleeced cap and red jacket mm. who says that someday he'll blow up the world with his Illudium Q36 space modulator, it's which very is good. very... I was like, in, in one panel, that's a better version of Marvin the Martian than we got in yeah. the... In the Marvin the Mar- exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, Elmer Fudd and Batman have both dated Sylvia St. Cloud. Is that her name? Silver St. Cloud? Silver St. Cloud. I don't know who she is. You've never, you've never read a Silver St. Cloud book? You've never read those classic Batman. Um, she was like her, his 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 girlfriend that uh, during the um, fuck. It's like the sixties Batman. Okay. Yeah, the with probably the, not then. Um, with the Doctor Phosphorus and all that shit. They're good. It's a good run. Who, who Dark Detective? I think they mm. call it that, that that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah. So they've the, both both Bruce Wayne and, and Elmer Fudd have dated them, and and uh, this opens with Elmer Fudd discovering her body and uh, going to shake down bugs to get some answers out of him. And, and he gives him the, the, the news that, uh, that Bruce Wayne hired him to kill Silver St. Cloud. And uh, I just, I just thought I just loved every moment of this. I thought it was so, so fun. And you know, I, I definitely grew up loving the cartoons. So maybe if you aren't a Looney Tunes fan, you wouldn't have enjoyed it, but Siobhan, why, what, what do you thought? I thought it was, I thought it was, it was definitely the best of this group. Like, of all of the um, Looney Tunes DC Universe crossovers, this is the best one. And the art's really good. Uh, like, I phenomenal. really like for, Like, it feels more like a classic um, Batman detective story than a lot of stuff that we get now. Like, this, you know, it's a, <laughs> a hilariously street-level um, comic. I just thought it was, like, I thought it was fine. You know, like, it didn't... As <laughs> listeners of this show will know, that is the biggest insult you can give a comic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it. I mean it, like... It didn't offend me. Um, oh God! <laughs> it was a, like you know, it was it was a totally acceptable Batman detective story, but it didn't like. I didn't think it was amazing or anything. You know, like it's still it's still shoehorning in the Looney Tunes stuff I for it was, no uh, real reason. No, I, I totally disagree. I thought this was like this was this justified all of the shit ones <laughs> for me. I was like, oh, now I Worth get it. it. You had one good story, and you just kind of padded it out with a bunch of ones that weren't anywhere near as good. But that's fine because this one was it hit all the notes that I wanted this to hit. And, I, and I, this was always like, how the fuck is he going to make this work? And not only does it, you know, the fact that he was able to have all the all the, all these Looney Tunes characters show up in Batman's world, and it never felt. Like too different from a Batman comic. Like this is like a classic Batman comic. Yeah, and, yeah. I don't know. I, and I, and I, I thought the story itself was really interesting too. But um, 
Yeah. I just feel like there's way better Batman comics. Out I mean, there. obviously, <laughs> but like it's a it's a Looney Tunes Batman crossover. Yeah, like it was as good as that was possible to be. Uh, yeah, well, you're, you're right. It, 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 it like you know. <laughs> There is definitely way better Batman comics in the seventy-five years yeah. of Batman comics, <laughs> but no, I, this was this was like this is very very good. I thought, mm. um, and uh, would recommend it to anyone just wanting a kind of you know slightly left of center Batman story, especially if you grew up you know watching Looney Tunes as I imagine most of our listeners did. Mm. Um, there's also a backup which has been done, um, written by Tom King in the uh, in the in a bit more of a Looney Tunes style with art by Byron Vaughan's. Um, and it's the classic uh, duck season, rabbit season. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck um, kind of yeah. back and forth. But so Elmer El- Fudd ro- ro- rocks up to shoot um, Bugs Bunny for rabbit season. And he convinces Elmer Fudd that it's bat season. Um, and I thought this was very s- sweet and funny as well. Yeah. Um, I, liked, I liked that uh, Batman wants to introduce Bugs Bunny to the Joker at the end. That was funny. Look, I just think like it was like not only was it like you know we know that Tom King has a great grasp of the Batman universe, but he also has a great grasp of the Looney Tunes universe. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> um, and uh, and Lee Weeks on the main on the main main book, like I, I loved his 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 figures. I mean, you know, he also he, he, a lot of thought went into his redesigns of these characters, so they mm-hmm. feel like Gotham residents as opposed to just kind of you know what would what would Foghorn Leghorn look like as a gangster? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, and kudos even for that. And you know, Tom King has a habit of kind of continuing to work with artists again and again. Like Mitch Jarrett, who he did Sheriff of Babylon, is a regular on Batman. And I would love to see Lee, Lee Weeks work on the regular Batman title with Tom King in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's spectacular art. Um, also, good to see Batman in the uh, original costume. Yes, agreed. The, which is you know apt for a Looney Tunes setting, I guess. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a great issue for me. Um, who cares about Siobhan? Who cares what I think? Because she loved this next book so I much that she one. didn't even finish it. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I really didn't. I, I, like when Foghorn Leghorn showed up, I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I think I'm tapping. See, out. that was the only part of the book that I liked. We're talking about Jonah Hex and Yosemite Sam number one by Jimmy Palmiotti, who actually has like a long history of writing Jonah Hex quite well with his mm. writing partner Justin Gray, who does not show up for this. Um, the art in this one is by uh, Mark Texaria. Um, and really? colors by Paul Mounts. Who's Mark Texaria? Name's familiar. Ghost Rider. Ghost yeah. Rider. Thank you. Um, and yeah, Yosemite Sam is uh, basically like you know he's the. I just all I know him is that he's a guy who has a mustache and guns who shot at bugs occasionally and called him a varmint. Yeah. And now you see him on the back of cars on if they have like the spare tire on the back of their car. Yeah. There'll be a big Yosemite Sam shield over it with, with his gun saying "Back off of me" or something like that. Yeah. It's nice. a great gag, almost as good as Calvin pissing on things. Always hilarious. <laughs> um. So. Uh, In this, yeah. you get to see him. Um. Like with prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. So perfect. Fine. That's what everyone's always wanted, right? Right, so, guys? Yeah. Um, also, I just realized Foghorn Leghorn shows up four pages in, so that's when you tapped out. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he discovers... But he's a literal giant chicken. Like, what What universe are we supposed to be living in? Well, I liked that it was just like, oh, he just is, is a big chicken and, and no one questions that. <laughs> that's that's fine. I don't know. I thought that, that that's what these books needed, just an acceptance of these dumb Looney Tunes characters within them. Mm, um, maybe. But then he's a, like, bare-knuckle boxer. I don't know. I have... Uh, the this is just stuff, not I was, for me. So you just don't like Looney Tunes characters. I think that's. I think that might be it. I don't really, I don't really understand them. I don't really but know but what they it are. was everything else in this. Jonah Hex was just like this r- real boring version of himself, and Yosemite Sam was terrible. Yeah, he's just like the, a guy who like discovers a gold nugget and then um, hires Jonah Hex to keep him safe. And there's a big shootout. It's like you know a proper western, but it was 
really badly done. And I thought the only thing that I, I enjoyed about it was fucking Leghorn. Mm. Um, I loved the art in the backup. Yeah, the backup was much nicer by but Dave I Alvarez. Even be um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good story, but the art was awesome. Yeah, so this definitely falls in the latter. Uh, well, sorry, the majority of these uh, DC Looney Tunes crossovers yeah. that aren't necessary reading, unless you're for some reason a diehard Yosemite Sam fan. Which I'm a, sure people are. With a tire cover on the back of your car. <laughs> For some reason. Back off of me, you varmint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those are our DC number one reviews. Uh, normally we'd do go straight into Marvel for some weird reason. How much longer is the DC Looney Tunes thing That's it. Gone? That's is it. that it? Oh, thank God. I mean, no, thank God. I'm done. <laughs> Just wait until Siobhan gets to read all these comics when she has a child. <laughs> You're going to hate them so much more. I hate everything. Uh, Secret Weapons number one from Valiant this week. Um, Valiant has been uh, on, a, on a bit of a tear, mm-hmm. um, releasing lots of great new series. And this one is written by Eric uh, he- Heiserer. I bet you I dogged that pronunciation. That sounds definitely correct. Uh, and he wrote that movie that came out last year, Arrival. Oh, yeah, I like that movie. And he's also writing, I think, so the reason he's on this book is he's writing one of the Valiant movies. Uh. And in writing, I heard this story, I'm sure I'm dogging this too, but he in, in, in writing about the Valiant universe for this movie, he realized how much he enjoyed the universe and, and he basically said, I've got a really good idea for a comic. And so they, they, they put a top artist on it, put Raul Allen and Patricia Martin on colors on it. And uh, this, this is a book called Secret, Secret Weapons, which absolutely ties into all the Harbinger stuff, mm-hmm. um, which was not so much lost to me. I was just like, oh, I know what that is and didn't really know any of the details about it. But you don't really need to. It's kind of vaguely explained. There's a government agency that's uh, kind of targeting people with powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there are a bunch of people that have like fairly useless powers, mm-hmm. uh, and this this kind of this book, Secret Weapons, follows the lives of of these kids with useless powers. It's very like um, what are they called? Like the Legion of Backup Superheroes, or even some of the characters from like Grant Morrison's X Men run, like just people whose powers Beak. don't appear to be of huge use. Yeah, at first sight. And um, it's uh, it really throws you in the deep end immediately in this story. We we kind of meet meet the characters along the way of this insane kind of they're being attacked by this creature who's trying to absorb their powers. Um, and uh, yeah, man, this was uh, this just was great. great. Yeah, I, I, a really fun issue. I would love to know from listeners which Valiant book ties into this one the most directly. I've tried reading a few of them. Like the Harbinger stuff, is, I haven't really read anything that really stuck with me. Uh, that really grabbed me in, in, in a good mm. way. But if there's anything on the level of this, I want to read more of it. Um, this is a, a series that I highly recommend everyone give a shot to. It's a really fucking well well done book. Yeah. Again, it's a case of a, a writer that hasn't got much comic book history just nailing it in the first issue. So I wonder how much editorial involvement helped him cr- craft such a great read. And like, like the art is so, so good. And you have to yeah, assume yeah. that there was a lot, like a lot of the sort of writing credit should go to um, Raul Allen and yeah. Patricia Martin. Super dynamic panel work. Yeah. Really interesting layouts. I'd love to I'd love to look at those scripts. So we have a, a character who who's whose superpower is she can communicate with birds. Another one whose uh, superpower it's not really a power, just he can randomly generate Objects. Objects, but he can't <laughs> choose what those objects are. Or when they arrive. So at one point he he gets fired for his from his job for summoning a shotgun yeah. while he's work on, on the job. Um, and then he tries to get 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 our characters out of, um, to safety by accidentally summoning a, a useless umbrella, which does come in handy. It's at one point later in the book. But uh, yeah, I, I really liked those two characters. And there's a 
there are other other characters in this in this world that um have other stupid powers. It's good mysteries. Yeah, this really is- solid like first issue of a superhero team book and like good teen angst and. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. and I assume like all Valiant books, it's just going to last like four or five issues, and it's just going to be really good. I hope so. Yeah, um, and again, beautiful cover, beautiful print uh, paper stock. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, would, would listeners like, enjoy me to just review the paper of all of these comics? That is, I would, I would find that of use. What if we only personally. reviewed the paper quality? <laughs> <laughs> be a much quicker show. Um, for this episode, I'm going to review the paper of every comic. Okay, um, excellent. Okay, let's move to Marvel. Marvel always have bad paper. <laughs> True. <laughs> Next, <laughs> uh, no, they got uh, they got a few uh, Three number ones. ones. Uh, the first of which is an event that no one really wanted, but it's actually gonna, it seems like it's gonna be, could be going to be kind of cool, kind of cool. Yeah, I think this is probably um, going to be way more enjoyable than Secret Empire. Edge of Venomverse um, is the start of this Venomverse uh, event. Um, biggest surprise was that this issue number one is written by Matthew Rosenberg. Yes. Which uh, shows that they're clearly putting a lot of faith in this uh, new writer to Marvel who's done great runs on Kingpin and uh, Rocket Raccoon and is currently doing great stuff over at Secret Warriors. Um, Roland Boshi um, on art, on pencils, sorry, and um, Adam Gorham on inks with colors by Daniel Brown. Uh, this basically, I don't know, is this like a reimagining of what if Venom found certain characters in the Marvel Universe instead of Eddie Brock? Or? I think so. I think it's like going to be like in the same way that um, Spider-Verse was. Right. It'll be like alternate universes and ah, stuff like I that. See. So in this universe, we see a young um, X-23, Laura... What is her last name? Kinney? Laura Kinney. Do yeah. I just think of that because it's like no, it's Laura, Laura Kinney. Kinney? Okay, cool. Um, and I wonder if that's, that's the inspiration for her name though. She escapes um, the Weapon X facility when she is infected by Venom, and then she teams up with a whole bunch of cool street kids who all get infected infected by Venom, and they do cool crimes. Yeah, and um, yeah, she kind of uh, like she yeah, she shares the Venom the symbiote around, so they all have like little bits. So one of them has it like you know finger powers, and mm-hmm. foot powers, with the symbiote, and then um, the government agency come to get her back. Um, to potentially use her or kill her, we're not sure. Um, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, uh, the the first half of this, especially where we see um, her escape the facility that she was created in, and and then and then the symbiote finds her. Um, I thought that was really fucking cool. Yeah, the whole I really enjoyed this whole issue. This was like a fun um, kind of what's the Marvel equivalent of Elseworlds? Elseworlds. What if? what if? Whatever. Yeah, what if? Kind of like a cool what if. And then at the end of the issue, we see her being sort of portaled away into an alternate dimension um, by, like, Venom Cap. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Who's, like, probably significantly less evil than regular Cap is <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it looks like there's going to be a big war of uh, different Marvel characters that have the symbiote on them, which is cool. And it actually looks like a very, like, there's a checklist in the back of the book, and I'm, I don't know how much they're going to stick to this, but it's a very... You know, it's just in the Edge of Venomverse and then the Venomverse series. Yes, yeah, so there's 11 issues all up. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be time. Or maybe not. Hopefully not time like tie-ins. I, I hope know. there's not tie-ins. Maybe the regular Venom book will. Maybe. Um, I'm less excited about the next issue, which is uh, Spider-Gwen getting Venom powers. Yeah. So that's going to be Spider-Gwevin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll still read it. I'll still read it. It's dumb fun. And totally. that's why you should be reading superhero comics most of the time. And it's nice to read something that isn't as bogged down in continuity. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Lovely. Um, speaking of that, guess what mm. wasn't? Another all new Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Uh, this is a, this is an annual for a series that hasn't even had it put out its fifth issue yet. 
but I kind of like the idea that this only exists because um, Jerry Conway was like, uh, sorry, wait, Jerry Duggan, sorry, mm. diff- very different, very very different creators. Uh, apparently, also the last like five episodes, I keep referring to um, the writer of Occupy Avengers, um, David Walker mm-hmm. as Kevin Walker. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't that, even noticed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you, anyway, you're as bad as I am. I'm the problem. But uh, yeah, Jerry Duggan's been doing Guardians of the Galaxy. I kind of like the idea of him going. I'm not doing the doing the um, Secret Empire tie and get someone else to do it. So they've for this all new number uh, annual number one. They've gotten Chad Powers and Chris Sims to write a completely pointless Guardians of the Galaxy story, which introduces them to different versions of the characters. Who we, see, who we know from the movies that mm. are different versions of themselves than they are in the Marvel Universe, particularly Yondu. Yeah, but a like really great art by um, Daniel, Danilo S. Beirut. Yeah. And colours by um, Tamara Bonbian. Look, it looks great. All of all the parts are here. Like the, the, they nail most of the characters pretty well. I actually quite liked Yondu. I mean, it's just yep. pretty, it's exactly like Michael Rooker's, um, uh, yeah, exactly. the way he plays it in, in the movies. But... Uh, yeah, I just thought that like you know, it, it, it's a it's a it's a one shot. It gets wrapped up really conveniently, and they achieve absolutely nothing. But it looks really pretty. It does look good. Um, There's and some good moments of physical comedy, um, and the colors are really fun, like poppy kind of acid colors. And there's a bit where Gamora fights like a lion man. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, I wasn't really reading it. <laughs> I was just <laughs> looking at it, going like, oh, "That's really pretty." Yeah, the, the dialogue is a bit trying because yeah. I feel like they just had to just cram so much into this, so it felt like a you know a full a full adventure in one issue. Um, but basically, they get they they're trying to get aliens to help um, Earth with because the, there's a big force build around the Earth because of Secret Empire, and no one will help them. And then so they try and they ask Mantis to help them find somebody who can help them destroy the. Blah blah. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Secret Empire. More reviews of that coming later. Woo! <laughs> uh, finally, um, from Marvel this week, Star Wars Droids Unplugged by Chris Eliopoulos with colors by Jordi Belair. I think um, this might just be a one shot. Oh, it is, and it's yeah. just a collection of uh, of the little mini droid stories that we've seen in the Star Wars books so far, which are very cute. Yes. Um, so we see a, a book with uh, a story with the probe droid. droid. We see a, um, a story with R2-D2 and a story with BB-8. Um, we've talked about each of them in, in previous episodes. Go look them up. They're cute, guys. They're cute. They're pointless. Yeah. Enjoy. Agreed. Star Wars. Um, over to IDW now and a book that uh, Siobhan, spoiler alert, loved, I think. Yeah. Clue. I had such a nostalgia week. Um, did you grow up playing Cluedo? Yeah, heaps. You know, I've never played Cluedo. What? So fun. I was more of a Forbidden Bridge guy. It's the uh, unsung <laughs> hero of the board game world. Uh, you build... A big angry bridge, and then you have like these little explorers, and they've got to cross the bridge. But when you push the idol on the bridge's head, what? The, the bridge shakes and it makes this horrible noise, and the and you and you fall off, or, you, or the jewel falls out of your backpack. It's a vastly superior game to fucking Cluedo. Cluedo is amazing. Uh, okay. So Cluedo also is like American a, listeners. That is just Clue. It's For just some Clue. reason, it's called Cluedo. Yeah, why is it called Cluedo? I don't know. I also love the Clue movie with um, Frankenfurter. What's his name? Don't know. Tim. What? Who's the person I'm thinking of? Who played Frankenfurter in the Rocky Horror? No, just tell me, Jim. Come on, I don't Steve have the Martin? time for this. No. This is ter- I haven't seen either of these movies. I'm just going <laughs> to guess actors until I get it right. Tim Curry. Tim there Curry. we go. Oh, God. There we go. I love Tim Curry. Um, <laughs> but so I spent all week playing Crash Bandicoot and reading Clue, and it was the best. I felt 
eight years old. <laughs> That's weird. Eight years that old and heavily pregnant. That which is, is very confusing. <laughs> that is really weird, though, that it's called Cluedo here. Yeah, I don't know why. Do you reckon Judo is just called Jew in America? <laughs> Um, so Clue is uh, a mystery comic Just like the board game In which uh, we see a bunch of rich people In a mansion Someone dies And then everyone is a suspect And there's a butler Who's the fun narrator And he's kind of this omniscient narrator But he's aware that he's in a comic And he's kind of talking directly to you And it's pretty fun That was a pretty fun It's very meta concept. It's very meta I thought it, that's kind of like it, The cutesiness of it bugged me I liked the cutesiness. <laughs> right. I, I enjoyed the, the murder mystery stuff. I liked yeah. that there's like an, an Australian rapper. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's a weird Iggy Azalea. Yeah. Um, I thought that, that was, this is totally enjoyable and a good kind of... That, that There were some narrator moments that I thought were funny and then others where I thought they took it too far and it was annoying. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And there's also like there's a fun little thing in the back where I think there's four different covers and each different issue has a different um, backup little bit in the last couple of pages so um you get different clues depending on which issue you picked up what clue did you get fun let's see exactly the same one i think they're lying to oh wait we got the same cover all right so all right i see (laughs) oh that is interesting more books should do that yeah it was um, to encourage people to spend more money on two pages (laughs) absolutely um Um, i thought like so this is written by paul aloe with art by nelson daniel um and letters by neil uyataki nailed that's probably wrong um, but I think that this is like, this is one of the more fun, enjoyable sort of tie-ins to an established property comic that I've read. To a while. board game. I thought you were going to get really specific. <laughs> to a board game. Name one other one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, even, um, Gareth, who works at King's, who is notoriously hard to please every week. I'm like, do you want to do something? He's like the, of the happiest week? person that works at King's. He's, he's a happy <laughs> man. But if I'm like, did you read anything good this week? He's like, mm, no, not really. <laughs> we'll talk about all the things he did read. But he's like, I wouldn't recommend any of them. Yeah. But he recommended the Clue comic to me. So I was like, sick. You know, it's going to be good. Yeah. I thought the, the one um, kind of breaking the fourth wall moment that I really liked is when the narrator just straight out starts talking to the editor of the, mm. of, 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 of the comic, Carlos yeah, Guzman. That was fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> I like the, yeah. and he's introduced as Carlos Guzman, editor, overworked, didn't approve the joke that was written here. <laughs> good, good stuff. Um, so that was a good number one and definitely one that a series I'll, I'll, I'll continue to pay attention to. Uh, I will not pay attention to another IDW, uh, number one as it, as it continues, uh, gem and the holograms infinite part one. I paid so little attention to this. I didn't even read it. Well, I like Kelly Thompson, the writer, and I actually enjoyed the misfit story that I read half of. It's yeah. uh, you know, a series that I read a few issues of, and this is this brings together Gem and the Holograms with the Misfits, and they've got rivalries. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun, but it wasn't fun. It was just kind of like catty back and forths between mm-hmm. both the bands. And um, then I was like, man, I wish interesting things would happen. And then suddenly, like a portal opens, and they all jump in. And I was like, okay, is that what this? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That, that didn't mm-hmm. happen in the Misfits, so I, I don't know what this book is trying to be because I don't know anything about Jam and the Holograms. So. Mm. Uh, I think you could say this book uh, wasn't necessarily bad. It just was necessarily not for me. Absolutely. Um, so to Dark Horse now for a new book by um, Alex DeCampi. Uh, I've really enjoyed her Grindhouse books that she did on Dark Horse years yep. ago. But we've read one or two other books that she's put out um, since we started the podcast that didn't really click with me at all. And yep. this book, Bankshot, which has um, art by Criss Cross. Not Do the you band. Think, but come on. What if it was, though? No, well, no the Chris Cross spell their, their names with the K's. I know. And this is Chris, like Christopher. And Cross. Colors by Snakebite Cortez. This is the coolest book ever. It's the coolest lineup book ever. The book itself did not click with me one bit. Oh, really? Yeah. There weren't I... enough Looney Tunes characters in it. 
Sorry? There weren't, there weren't enough Looney Tunes characters in it, clearly. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, uh, you know, I actually had the same thing where, like, I don't really love... Um, like, it's funny. Like, I don't really love super macho war comics. And there's quite a lot of, like, war stuff in this. I'm going to give it another issue or two because there were some things that I thought were kind of interesting. But, um, and I really like the art. I think yeah, it looks great. Yeah, me too. I thought I thought it looks great, and then, like there were moments of the story that I thought were cool. Based, I, I couldn't even tell. That's the thing between this yeah. book and the next one, beautiful canvas. We're going to talk about the layouts were fucking hard to follow, and there were parts where I was just where it would jump forward, um, or like there's some action scenes in this that make no sense to follow. Like yeah, really, really true. hard to follow, um, and I, that, I, that really threw me from you know it stopped me from really getting involved in the story whatsoever. It's kind of you know and. You know, when you're like, I don't really sure what happened on that page. I'll just not properly read the rest of it. <laughs> That'll fix this situation. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically um, uh, the FBI are trying to track down someone who's beaten the shit out of and killed a bunch of their operatives. And then we get a flashback um, to North Africa when we see uh, a bunch of um, army troops who are ambushed. Um, everyone's killed except one officer, one soldier. And um, and then that's kind of like his origin story, which leads to him becoming some kind of assassin or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do much better at explaining what happened in it, but I kind of enjoyed it anyway. Yeah. Um, Classic me. So I mentioned it before. Beautiful Canvas is a new book that comes out through Black Mask. Uh, it's written by, um, sorry, it's yeah, written by Ryan K. Lindsay with art by Sammy Cavella. Um, with colors by Triona Farrell. Uh, it's a very great looking book. Um, and uh, I really, uh, there were moments again of the, through this book that I thought were fucking awesome, like incredible scenes. Again, it's another book about an assassin, mm-hmm. but it's never clear. Uh, like basically she's hired by someone who uses dead bodies in her art. I think. I think. She doesn't want to be an assassin. That's way, like that's a much I bet that's way more than I understood, but I really liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it, and then suddenly the, the this, this assassin gets ambushed by a bu- by a bunch of like people that have animal parts, mm. which completely came out of nowhere. And I was just like, why? This, what the fuck? <laughs> but it's like, I sort of thought that was fun. Like, I have no idea what world this exists in. It's some kind of like high concept sci fi thing, I guess. Um, but like, you don't know, like. I don't understand at all what's going on in this, but I really enjoyed every single moment of it. And I thought that the art was like so, so beautiful. Are these people with animal parts creatures that the artist has worked, has like done experiments to or something? I don't know. I'll give this one another another issue. There was way too much introduced in this completely crazy issue. Mm. And then by the time you got to this fantastic amount of backup at the back, I was just like, ah. I feel like it's one of those ones that is super high concept and he's playing around with like how linear it is like it's not a super like it's not an easy read um but i think i hope i have faith that this will pay off you know like i think that with the next couple of issues it will become clear what's going on um and i think it's i think it's worthwhile yeah it reminds me of a black cloud yeah i was gonna say um, which still like, you know, I'm still waiting for that payoff to happen. I still like it though. Yeah. Okay, sure. I find right. it enjoyable. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, a novel, a movie, now a comic. Oh my uh, God. 
We asked, sorry, we just asked Jim like half an hour ago to write something about how great Savage Dragon is and he's already finished it. Wow. Thanks, Jim. Cheers. Hot off the presses. I also Hot love that presses. he printed it off for you yeah. so we can scan, <laughs> take a photo of it and attach it to our mailing list. We should. That's a good call. <laughs> um, he's old school. Um, he wrote it with a typewriter. He also emailed it to us, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> um, as I was saying, the girl with the, dra- the girl with the dragon tattoo was a novel, then a movie, then a mm-hmm. comic, and now it's a comic once again. And, now, and then a movie again or something. Is it really? Doing... Haven't there been two different movies? Write like a, an original... Write a second novel. Anyway. Um, so uh, it, it's, uh, it, this has been redone for comics for uh, uh, Titans Hard Case Crime, um, kind of femme-focused crime mm-hmm. um, imprint. Um, it's uh, based on the, the novel trilogy by Stieg Larsson. Uh, and uh, it's been written by Sylvie and Runeberg with art by Homs. Um, so Homs, anyone that has like just one word... As uh, as their name, you can tell they're a European artist. <laughs> tell they're also they're either a rapper or yeah. <laughs> or, a, or a European comic book artist. And you could tell by looking at this that this is like it's super Euro. Yeah. Um. Have you read, watched, or read any of the uh af- the aforementioned versions of this story before? Um. I read the first novel and I enjoyed all of the um financial crime elements and less so the torture porny stuff, which is just like personal preference. Yeah, but so is the torture porny stuff. Is, is this is this essentially a revenge book? I've not because I've, I've not I've had any experience with it. Is, is um, yeah, yeah. Like it's sort of, it's mostly the book I remember is more about the um, the journalist Mikhail Blomqvist or whatever his name yep. is, and it's sort of him Super researching. Super Don't call Blomqvist. him that. Um, and it's sort of him researching this family. Yes, and then the end got really like too dark for me <laughs> yeah so i th- i really enjoyed those those parts of the story yeah and i'm not saying that all all comics should only focus on one character or story at once but it, the two so we see we see a, a disgraced journalist trying to clear his name by helping out a family find mm-hmm. their lost daughter mm-hmm. um and then in parallel to that we see a girl go for a job interview forced to perform a sexual act on her would-be employer and then... It's her would-be um, guardian. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's like the whole thing is she, because of various issues that she's had in the past, was not allowed to have control over her estate. That's right. And so when her guardian passes away and she has a new one, this guy wants to take advantage. Um, and so she has to come up with a very ingenious way to stop him uh, being a terrible rapist. I like... Um, I like the character of Elizabeth. I think she's really strong. I think the art was really, really good in this. Those bits are hard to read, but they aren't, you know, they should be hard to read. Like, the way, like, it doesn't, it's not, it's graphic and it's could be seen as exploitative, but I don't think it is. I think it's like a, it's horrible, but it, it yeah. does the, uh, look, you know, a, a rape it has scene, a point. If it's going to be included in a comic or a book or anything, it should always be hard to read or watch. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's, I thought this was a really beautiful comic i thought it kept the spirit of the novel really strongly um and made it very interesting and engaging i really enjoyed this i like this a lot oh the art was awesome i got i just didn't know what to follow there are a bunch of characters that i wasn't weren't sure how they related to the plot and it kind of petered by the end i was just like i I probably won't read any more of this but i thought it was well done i think i'm gonna stick with it i enjoyed this a lot maybe it's because i had i've already read the novel that i was kind of familiar with like what was going on yeah for sure the 
the various bits and pieces. I will say, I, I, I love every artist that I've been introduced to through yeah. this hard case crime in print. They, There's some great pick- stuff that they're publishing through that. Yeah, I love it. awesome stuff. Um, finally, uh, the last number one I read was uh, Blood Brothers, Hermanos de Sangre um, by Fabian Rangel Jr., who uh, I think is writing Narwolf as okay. well yep. um, for, for uh, Eric Powell's imprint. Uh, is he? Yes, he is. So he's doing that for Albatross, which we'll review later in the episode. Uh, and art by Javier Martin Garber. Um, and this is, is this, is this part of a series? It felt like there, there was a lot of assumed knowledge of these characters. I don't think it is. So this is in, in a world of monsters, uh, two brothers, one of whom can talk to ghosts and the other one who is like a, you know, a Mexican Big glowing wrestler. lucha libre. Yeah. Um, are detectives, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, like, I thought there were some cool ideas in this, but I won't read any more of it <laughs> i really like this i thought this was like a really fun concept i think they did a good job of like introducing to this world without kind of spoon feeding it to you and like you are kind of dropped in the middle of it and there's a bit of like a you know take this and run with it um and i think that as the series goes on we'll understand why the lucha libre character starts to glow when he's around supernatural things and what their history is and all that kind of stuff but they're basically investigating um, they investigate a murder and they realize that it has something to do with their father who has disappeared recently and like cool mummies and ancient curses and stuff like that. And I thought this was a really fun concept, really well done. And I like the art and the colors a lot. Well, I, I'm more for being dropped in the middle of something, but I just thought this it dropped you in the middle of too many things. Like there's a lot going on in this book and world that it was, it was just kind of just felt, it felt like this book was being written panel by panel. I don't know. I didn't get that, but like, that's a fair thing. We're going to review a, a comic that was actually written panel for panel later in the episode too. Oh, really? The second issue of Packless. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Good I like that a lot. But that's yeah, I don't know if this didn't really connect with me. There were, there were moments that I thought I enjoyed, but... I enjoyed this. I, th- I thought it was like a, it was a level of silliness that I, um, I can get on board with. Not too silly. It's not Looney Tune silly. <laughs> but it was silly. Siobhan season. Fire. <laughs> the Looney Tunes reference. Um, I also read Cull Eternal, issue one, from IDW, which was written by Tom Waltz, with art by Luca Pizzari. Cull is another, as you may be able to tell from his name, Eternal Warrior type bro. And so this just has, like, this starts off in kind of contemporary um, Antarctica, and he is fighting dudes who just turn into snakes in the middle of nowhere. That was kind of fun. Um, And then as we sort of figure out what's going on in this current problem, we flash back to like ancient um, times to find out more about this character and what else is going on. I thought this was like, this was fine. (laughs) I probably, I'm probably not going to read heaps more. Not because it was bad. It was just like, I read, I read a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Not, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not for you. Not for you. Slash fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, I forgot to read one number one. So now I'm going to read it live for you on the episode. I've never, ever read a My Little Pony comic before in my life. So this is issue number one of My Little Pony, the movie prequel, which has been written by Ted Anderson with art by Andy Price and colors by Heather Breckel. And we begin, uh, there is a weird monster character. No ponies on this page. Page page number two. Uh, there's a weird monster character and some aliens. Uh, on page three, there's no 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 ponies yet. No ponies on page four. Some kittens show up and, and get in a fight with the monsters on page five. No ponies. 
Uh, still no ponies on six or seven. I'll just it's a disappointing lack yeah, of ponies. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, these things are little and they're not necessarily mine, but they're <laughs> definitely not ponies. Uh, yep, there's no ponies. Page, uh, it's all cats, cats and monsters and aliens. Jim, does Holly read the My Little Pony comics? Should we get her to do a bonus episode? <laughs> of, of pon- <laughs> where, she, pon- yeah. where she reviews. Would listeners like a, a My Little Pony expert? I'm halfway through the book. Not one fucking pony has showed up. There, this is there are parrots. Parrots what? in pirate, pirate costumes now. Attacking, That's also very discriminatory the towards monsters. parrots. They've had to work really hard to get the pirate, you know, well, at least they're their stereotype own off them. They're their own masters on this position. That's true. Uh, still no po- What the fuck? My Little Pony, the movie, the prequel. Has no ponies in it. <laughs> I, for one, am outraged. What the hell, though? <laughs> Imagine it's the prequel to the movie. The movie's all about the ponies. The prequel's obviously about everything except ponies. What? What the fuck are these creatures? This is bizarre. There's a you're alien... not familiar. You're not familiar with the My Little Pony verse. There's other animals, oh, right? Oh, of course, aliens fucked pirate parrots, and that's how we got My Little Ponies. <laughs> Look. Keep your fucking out of the <laughs> My Little Pony comics. There is enough of that <laughs> in the world. Ponies certainly don't. There is enough of that in the world. Those are our number one reviews of the week. Uh, another very successful First Things First. And we move on to a very successful one I'm predicting will be. Uh, nice. Roll the dice for Marvel, Image, and DC. If, 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 I'm going to roll a dice. If it lands on one to two, it's Marvel first. If it's three to four, it's DC. And if it's five to six, it's Image. The dice is rolled. Three is DC first, followed by... Two, Marvel second, and finally Image. Nice. DC first means we get to uh, talk about Wonder Woman issue 25, which happens to be Greg Rucker's farewell to Wonder Woman. See you later, She's dead now. She's dead. That's it. They killed her. The character will never be used again. At the height of her popularity, (laughs) it's very brave of DC to do this. It's a strange choice, but I, I support it. Just kidding, everybody. It's the finale of Greg Rucker's very good Wonder Woman run. He's moving on to, uh, he's moving back to Black Magic. Which, which returned this, goodness. but he's been so good at Wonder Woman. So yeah, is it really? Thank goodness. Why well, couldn't he just clone himself and have just... one Greg Rucker do Wonder <laughs> Woman forever, and then the others do more, you know, self self exploring? I'm gonna issues. go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that I would rather have Black Magic over over more Greg Rucker Wonder Woman. Wow. Greg Rucker Wonder Woman is amazing, but Black Magic is. You've this is in in six, six issues of Black Magic, and you would rather that more than yeah. the character that he's done. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. Okay, sure. Yep, I stick with it. All right, all right. <laughs> Uh, so uh, this uh, features uh, an incredible lineup of artists, um, both of which have worked on uh, Greg Rucker's Wonder Woman run. You've got um, Liam Sharp and Bilquis Everly, who I think is my, that's my favorite thing from this entire series, is uh, being introduced to her work. Yeah. Just um, um, I hope she stays on the book for a little while. I, I just, don't actually uh, know if she's going to. Just, I don't know. Just do anything. She's the best. Yeah, I'll, she's I'll, so I'll good. follow her anywhere. Like I think she's such an incredible artist. She draws such a fun, sexy Steve Treasure. Steve Treasure. Steve Treasure. He's my treasure. Um, so this is a great, like almost like a uh, an epilogue to mm. uh, to the to the, the stories that Greg has been telling uh, in uh, the f- first year of Wonder Woman's life and in the current year of Wonder Woman's life. Uh, not the first year of her life, uh, first year as, as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this kind of yeah wrap, wraps everything up, and we kind of check in with all the different characters that we've met on this run, from his version of Etta Candy to. Um, Cheetah, Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor, and um, Doctor Kale. Um, there's some, there's some a great action scene and like kind of like a back and forth with Wonder Woman and uh, the Justice League that I really enjoyed. Yeah, that was fun. She's returned from Themyscira without her lasso of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of this this issue is just kind of what Wonder Woman's like without without her lasso. Mm. Um, and uh, she is angry. 
she is she is not a happy lady. Um, and uh, there's a beautiful moment where she, you know, spoilers, but she gets it back. You can't yeah. the, the, imagine if Ragnarok had like ro- just robbed the world of <laughs> Modern Woman's lasso and his last issue. Uh, but yeah, um, she kind of is able to reconnect with uh, her patrons, her patrons, especially Athena, her patrons. <laughs> Join up Patreon.com/slash Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, but uh, and then she gets some action. It's the perfect Wonder Woman. Comic. Yeah, it ends with her, her and Steve Trevor hooking up, and I love how forward she is. Yep. Um, towards Steve after having a hell of a day. Yep. And it ends the comic and and Greg Rucker's run ends with a beautifully drawn Bilkus Everly um, one page of Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor sleeping in bed with Wonder Woman's um, clothes just scattered around the bed. Lovely. I loved it. This was a great farewell. And um, when this is all collected in one big run, it will be a perfect gift to someone that you want to explain. This is why Wonder Woman is good. Here it is. Like Agreed. I love this run. I hope that whatever Bilquis Everly does next, it's like a character with a lot of hair. Because I think she's like the best at drawing hair of all time. Really? Not of all time, but she's very, very good at drawing hair. Better than Russell Dorderman? I love Russell Dorderman. Russell Dorderman is very, very good at hair. But I would put her up there with like... Like George Perez levels hair. Okay, let, let's do a um in an upcoming uh, Patreon mail out, or maybe even this one. You and I will do it together. Oh yeah, the best hair artists. <laughs> I, I have I have genuine opinions about that. What about who's a good curly hair artist? Um, George Perez is really good. Also, who, like you pretty much just for good hair, you just need to look at like classic Wonder Woman artists and people who have done like sick big Wonder Woman hair. Okay. All right, but so that's a good Perez, homework for George us. George Perez did um, Starfire's hair back in the day when she had her hair like right down to her ankles, and that was always good fun. Yep. Um, has, it been, has it been like a quintessential Medusa hair artist? Probably just Jack Kirby, you've got to yeah. assume. Yeah, he was good at it too. Mm. Um, so yeah, Wonder Woman, um, a, a really, really good run. Is it your? Would you say this is your favorite Wonder Woman run of all time, or hard to say? <laughs> I don't know, hard to say. What, what, what's up there? Um... I don't know. But this would be up there for sure. This is definitely like, this is the easiest Wonder Woman book to recommend to someone for sure, especially the year one stuff. Um, That's like, you know, that for me is a pretty perfect Wonder Woman comic and all like a pretty perfect superhero comic for me. Yeah. Um, So I would definitely, it's definitely up there. It'll be interesting to read this in trade because I think they are just collecting those things separately. So the first trade is just all the Liam Sharp present day stuff. And then the second trade is all the Nicholas Scott drawn year one stuff. That makes sense. I'm glad they did it like that. I, I liked reading like both timelines. Yeah, but imagine like for people who didn't know that it was being printed oh, like yeah, that, that would that be, would be annoying. really right. confusing right. and annoying. Yeah, good point. But I wonder how it will end because they do intertwine by the end. Yeah. Hmm, hmm. interesting. Hmm. Publishing. We'll keep you posted, <laughs> fans. Um, let's move on to another 25th issue that came out this week. Um, oh, do you want to do another 25th issue or another finale of a great Ooh. female superhero? Uh, oh, yeah, let's superhero. do another finale because that was we got book four, the final book of Mariko Tamaki and Joelle Jones's Supergirl Being Super, which was a prestige format series that DC mm-hmm. put out um, that was kind of like a, you know, a, a, an Elseworlds version of Supergirl uh, who comes to Earth before the world is aware of Superman. Mm-hmm. And um, I was wondering if he was going to factor in to this story at all, if, we, if this was just genuinely a world in which she's the only superhero. Um, or, you know, will he show up in some way? And he does, they use him for the ending and it's so beautifully done that I almost like, I feel like some, like maybe Mariko Tamaki or an editor had, had an idea in which that's the final Mm. page of a Supergirl story. And then they wrote the the story, which was great backwards. Cause I just think it was that, that, that ending was perfect. Yeah, I agree. Um, like it was such a perfect ending 
but I also never want to this to end. Like I want a million stories set in this universe with these characters, with this creative team. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if they're planning to continue it, but if we can get more like Batman Earth One books, I feel like we should get another one of these because the characters that they established are so good. This version yep. of Supergirl is so, so good. Joel Jones mate. is so perfect on it. The colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick are beautiful. Like, there's so much that they introduced in this that I would love to see them follow up. I would love to see, you know, how she, her relationship with Superman develops and, you know, what that's like for him, re, like, discovering her. Yeah, I, want, I want to see more of this version and... of Lex Luthor. Cause yeah. I, I, like, I like a sort of straight-up evil version of Lex Luthor again. Like, Same. Yeah. Um, and this other um, Tanon, this other sort of Kryptonian character that they introduced, and her friends back in um, I, yeah, I the just Smallville it. equivalent. Like, I read him. I read him as Tannen, like 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 you get in wines and teas. Yeah, the tannins. <laughs> right, right. Tannen, come back. No, I read him as a guy who gets a tan, Tanon. <laughs> um, a fake tan. Yeah, I love this so much. Yeah, and it was a great great finale too. Um, you know, and it. it the full package absolutely and does such a good job of like you know like I feel like so much superhero stuff is about like puberty yeah (laughs) and like the experience of like growing up and being a teenager and powers manifesting in like difficult awkward uncomfortable ways and I think that this just nails the sort of um, teen superhero experience and I would you know this will be a great book to buy for like my teenage sister and stuff like that. Definitely. And this is so much better than the current Supergirl series it really is that DC are doing and I just I really hope that they give Mariko Tamaki more work with this character. Yeah. Because um, she nails it. Like she and d- also, it's just like, it's such a good example of when you give a specific artist, like, you know, time and space to do something great, what is actually achieved rather than pushing, you know, double shipping and trying to, and like switching between artists and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is such a consistently brilliant book yep. um, and product that, I, you know, I, I hope DC does more of this kind of stuff. Yeah, I hope these sold well. They're, they're really, really good. And I, I haven't seen the, the trade collection of the last prestige format, the Dead Man book that they did. No, it's already come out. Does it's it coming. look nice? Yeah, it's nice. Oh, good. I'll look forward it's to a, a nice version of this. Um, yeah, really, really good. And Marika Tamaki is also doing Hulk. Mm-hmm. Both both her Supergirl run and the Hulk run deal with like loss and not not being able to believe in yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. I know that like Supergirl and, and Jen Walters are, are very, very different characters. But what what really stops you from loving the Hulk run as much as I've enjoyed this is that, like, she doesn't allow Hulk to have any hope whatsoever. Yeah, I think I think I saw a change in that in the last issue, and so I'm excited for the next arc. Yeah. But yeah, like this is a much more kind of young, hope-filled version of that sort of character arc. So I guess. Hulk's just having a midlife crisis. She's old now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, highly recommend Supergirl being super and uh, and Wonder Woman two great runs by DC. I mean, Wonder Woman's going to continue with a new creative team, um, and then another new creative team already announced uh, beyond that first arc. Really, James Robinson is eventually moving into this book, isn't he? I mean, great. Is it this or is it something different? I can't remember. I'm not getting that wrong. I get things wrong all the time. It's part of the beauty of this <laughs> it's part podcast. Of the charm of this podcast. How. We do no research. <laughs> um, the Flash issue 25 was a 25th issue I was uh, going to review a minute ago, but decided right. against. Um, Running Scared Part 1 by uh, uh, Josh Williamson, Joshua Williamson with Carmine DiGiamanico on art um, with Neil Googe and Ryan Sook. I love Ryan Sook. Yeah, me too. Um, so this issue is all about... The Flash's relationship with Reverse Flash throughout mm-hmm. time, so we get a lot of recap of their of their mm-hmm. 
misadventures together. What what kind of you know Reverse Flash was them Thorn mm-hmm. um, has has been a a spur in uh, in Flash's side. They've kind of made him his his Joker almost. It's like yeah. the worst the worst villain that Flash has is the Reverse Flash. When when he shows up, you know something fucked up's about to happen. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the character at all. I think he's like overused. And like he's like time travel characters who can travel through time and like go back and kill your mom <laughs> are sort of complicated and create a whole bunch of problems. So this uh, this issue revolves around the Flash going to the, the year that Edwin Thorne was the Flash in. So because the 25th Thorne century. has stolen Iris. That's right. In in time. And we see them fight in time and a whole lot of stuff. I didn't like this. If you, yeah, I'm trying to be as nice as I can about it. But I, I've been struggling with, with this book the last few issues. And this is just like, if they're going to do a full-on reverse flash thing again, I can't be fucked. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this was a very like, um, you know, they tried to do some big reveals in this of like, we've never really understood why reverse flash hates the flash so much. And they sort of give a reason for it in this. And it was like, it's a pretty weak reason where you're like, yeah. I understand why that was the reason, but also it's like... You fucking killed heaps of people because of one thing Flash said to you that meant something to you. Yeah. Then it actually... But I guess it's up, like yeah. he, he's supposed to be weak-willed or something. And then he sort of, you know, really aggressively reveals Barry's identity to Iris because in this continuity, Iris doesn't know that Barry is the Flash. Um, it wasn't It wasn't an exceptional issue by any means, but I thought it was fine. <laughs> Next next episode, you're banned from seeing Fine. Unless you're talking about the main character from the television show, The Nanny. I love that show. Fran Fine. Best dressed character on TV. Um, normally, yeah, like it was it was a sort of very aggressive issue for The Flash. Yeah. I suppose. He's a shit character. Reverse Flash. He I, think, I think you meant The Flash. And the I Flash was like, is no, great. he isn't. The, fl- the Reverse Flash is everything I don't like about the character. The, the, like, I, I, that's yeah. all the, the stuff I don't care about from The Flash. Give me ten more... Mirror Master issues. Uh, just give me rogue stuff. I know. I, I know. I'm like you know. I'm, I'm, I like 25th century stuff. Like I like it when the, the Flash gets on his gets on his little treadmill and goes know, to the yeah, future. Yeah, we know you love That's the good treadmill. fun. That's great stuff. Yeah, but yeah. But this was yeah, like this was this is like X Men territory where you go to the future and shit's all fucked up. <laughs> I like in DC books when you go to the future for the most part, shit's crazy and fun. And I also think that like they've done so often the like. Uh, break the Flash's leg and then it heals too fast and then his leg heals all weird. That's just been done a lot. That's a really specific complaint, <laughs> but it's just been done a lot, guys. Comic readers <laughs> often have those. Don't worry. <laughs> also, like, um, I think the the changing of artists even, like changing artists mid-issue, I understand why, especially when a comic is double shipping, but it does suck. Also, it's a, it's a, it's a double-sized issue too. Yeah, but it does it does suck. The Flash in particular has had... I mean, Ryan Sook is great. As yeah. a, that's an incredible fill-in artist. But, like, yeah, that, that in particular, it's had some, like, weird weird choices of fill-in. It's suffered a lot more than the other books have. Agreed. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to drop it. I'm going to give it another couple of issues, but... You dropped Nightwing too, yeah? Yeah, I dropped yeah, Nightwing. Yeah. All right, Commandy uh, Challenge, Chapter 6. This is the uh, Jack Kirby celebrating book in which a different creative team sets up a uh, escapeless... Situ- scenario for Commandy, the last boy on Earth, which is a Kirby character uh, who lives in a world of uh, anthropomorphic animals and horrible situations. Um, the last issue was in- insanely good, written by um, what's his name, Williamson. Um, Bill, sorry, Willingham. Bill, Bill Willingham, Willingham. Um, and it it was just a completely over the top, 
but felt like a Willingham kind of fables-esque kind of mm-hmm. book featuring these characters with one of the most ridiculous how the fuck are they going to get out of this one cliffhangers. Yeah. And what's great about these issues, I haven't really paid attention to them in the past because who cares, but at the end of each issue, the the previous writer like kind of Ooh. talks about their, like, yeah, the, the motivations for why they ended their book the way it did and mm. how they might get the characters out of it or whatever. And Willingham knows how ridiculous the situation was and it, yeah. it was, that was a really fun read. I know he's like, he's a bad bloke, right? I don't know. I think he's not not a good guy, but I, mm. I think he's a good writer. <laughs> um, anyway, issue six uh, is a new creative team of Philip Tan on art and writing by Steve Orlando. Um, and uh, this uh, gets him out of the seemingly impossible situation that that was surely the end of him mm. um, very quickly. Very And quickly. then ignores everything that's happened in the book so far. Yeah. All these new characters are introduced and it just... I just thought, again, it was a case of just doing way too much w- without like, re- referencing what had happened before it. Yeah, I felt like this issue to me felt very much like um, Steve Orlando had a commandy story that he wanted to tell and he was going to tell it, you know, regardless of what else had happened in the book and what else was going on. Um, and so it, it did feel like he tied up the previous issue a little bit too quickly. And then rushed through so, so much yeah, um, like, in the rest of the issue that it was kind of like a little bit boring almost. But like, there's a goodbye between a very important character from the last issue and Commandi in which you don't even see the character who's saying goodbye's face. He's got his back to the thing as he says like, my friend... Renzi will 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 meet you, um, and then he goes, "Okay, cool." And then you turn the page, and they're in a hot air balloon, and then it crashes on the next page. Yeah, and then like like so much happens so fast, and that's almost like that is in a way an homage to the way Kirby comics like were written. Like, and a lot of the issues have gone at that speed. Yeah, so far, but I think this one suffered from not amazing storytelling art wise. And then it suddenly goes. Oh, I think the art was all right. The art's fine, but the uh, fuck. Well, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's like serviceable, you know, like does the job, but yeah. Then if, it, like if a... it had been 1% clearer, it would be um, a different Speaking of story. 1%, <laughs> this then goes on to introduce like a communist bear. And that was mad confusing. Like after, after we get four pages in which like the scenery changes and, and incredibly ridiculous shit goes down repeatedly, way too quickly, we then get like eight pages where the bear explains the politics of his world and the inner workings <laughs> of his decisions. Yeah. And it's yeah, it was just like what the fuck is going Mandy on? convincing him that like communism is not the way pretty much. Yeah, and then ends with with Commandy falling to his doom, which I loved then. Like I, I thought it was a boring, totally boring ending. And then Bill Willingham says like when he's talking about how he ended his issue, he goes like um, I thought we'd done splendidly with the leave him in an impossible trap part of the deal. After jams based on he's falling, he's about to get stomped by the big thing, and he's in a deadly shootout, I thought we'd go a different way. And I mm. love that he was just referencing that Steve without even knowing yeah. Steve Orlando went back to his falling thing. Mm. Yeah. Poor old Steve Orlando. That was a tough act to follow, follow though. Yeah, but like he could have at least... I don't know, <laughs> read the issue before. I don't know, I'm being mean. I'm being mean. I just didn't think this was anywhere near as good as the last one and probably maybe the weakest in the series so far. Possibly. But I guess that's kind of the fun of this project. You know, like we get to see such a variety of things and it's so variable. So the next the next one features Marguerite Bennett on writing and Dan Jurgens drawing Ooh, Interesting. It. I wonder how many times Commandy will be like, oh, Twitter. 
Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a classic Marguerite Bennett pop culture reference. Um, although there are some, uh, we finally, I, I realized that all the, all the anthropomorphic animals we see so far are men. But the next one is, uh, looks like a, a, a bunch of uh, she, she, she dogs. Cool. I'm into it. Um, yeah, I'm still on board. Like, like you said, it still is a fun ride, even when it isn't as good as it usually is. Absolutely. Um, Steve Orlando also co-wrote um, a much better issue this week, the Batman and the Shadow crossover that he co-wrote with um, Scott Snyder, Snyder, with art by Riley Rosmo um, and colors by Placentia. Um, this came out through DC and Dynamite this week, and uh, it continues the kind of mashing together of uh, the pulp hero, the Shadow, with Batman. Um, the Shadow has come to Gotham, and Batman is determined to take him down and take out the Shadow's villain his way, as opposed to the, the way that Shadow would go about things, which are significantly more bloody than the way that Batman does things. Um, but uh, it turns out Batman is much more tied into the, the Shadow's mythology and future than you would think. And uh, I really, really think this is a cool series. Yeah, I found this issue not as good as the last couple. Just, I think, I don't know enough about the Shadow, maybe, that I was a little bit, like, bored by the scenes of him with Alfred just being like, I'm just inscrutable and evil and (laughs) you don't understand. Um, But I really like Riley Rossmo and I think she does a, she or he, I don't really know. But I think they do a great um, fight scene, very clear. Yeah, I love this iteration of of, of the Joker as well. Mm I think the Joker in this is, is is really strong and actually a better Joker than the one that Scott Snyder put into his regular Batman stuff. Um, I liked like how kind of like camp and drawing on uh, like Heath Ledger's Joker in a way as well, um, yeah, and then also like you know the being in love with with Batman and himself. Yeah, I, like only seeing the world revolving around the two of them. Mm. I thought it was it was really really fun. Um, I actually like this issue a lot more than, than the second one, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I get what you mean. Like the, the shadow stuff can get confusing, but I thought they did, they did a pretty good job of making it interesting and tying it into Batman's world as well. I liked Alfred in this too. It's a good good series, this one. Yeah. It's, it, what is it? What is, it? is there a well, whole lot of word that starts with F that you want to describe I'll get in trouble if I say what I think of it. <laughs> I'm just worried about all our acceptable. friends who are doing shots every time you say fine. <laughs> I don't want anyone to die. <laughs> uh, over to Green Lantern, uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps this week, issue number 23, by Robert Vedetti, Ethan Van Skyver on art, doing uh, both of them doing what they do best, and that's just writing a perfectly fine <laughs> Green Lantern story. Fuck. <laughs> I just want a Guy Gardner, I'll kill her book now. That's they're, what I really want. They're by far the most fun characters in this book. Yeah. And every moment with them in it is great. And then all the other moments without them is just brooding. Like all the mm. other lanterns is just sulking. And then Guy Gardner and Arkillo are like, fuck yeah. yeah. Like at one point, Guy Gardner says, Q Aerosmith before jumping into a fight. <laughs> that was dumb. I loved it. But I really enjoyed, um, like that whole page was really fun. Like there's a moment where, you know, Guy says like, nobody takes a punch for Guy Gardner. But like the physicality of him in that panel is so great and it looks amazing and I loved it. Yeah, agreed. Um I love the yeah the, the kind of balloon around his head of yeah. ex- exclamation is so cool. Um, it's the only part of this book that I really like anymore. The rest of it is just like you know it's so so dramatic and, and dull. But at least they move it forward quickly enough that you don't get too too bored. Yeah, true. Um, it looks like uh, what's his name the 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 bird the Tomatu. bird lantern Tomatu is dead. Is he dead? No. What does he, he, he do? He, like, he murdered another lantern who is like some kind of criminal on his home planet. He like 
took out a Sinestro Corps. But then he says... supposed to be his partner. Then it says that he's deceased. Yeah, that... The Sinestro Corps person. Oh, shit. Oh, right. So now there's going to be a problem between the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lantern Corps. Politics. Uh Uh-oh. But why is there a green box? Because Tomatu's been trying to keep it a secret. Oh, fuck. You fucked it, Tomatu. You fucked it. This your dad beautiful would be ashamed. Akilo and Guy Gardner are going to break up because of your actions. I'm very upset Go about to your that. room. Um, action Comics this week, um, written by Dan Jurgens, with art by uh, Jack Herbert and Jose Luis. Um, this is uh, a really fun, dumb superhero Superman story in which um, Cyborg Superman, the Eradicator, Mongol, blank, uh, whoever that green guy is. Is that potentially Brainiac or someone? I don't know. Metallo, there we go. thank Thanks. you, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. And Zod are all teaming up, and you're like, "Oh man, Superman's fucked. How is he going to like take on all of his worst bad guys?" And then does it with a smile and a wink. No, he gets fucked up. But who's oh. here to save him? Lex Luthor, Supergirl, um, the Chinese Superman, mm-hmm. Steel, and Superwoman. Woo! So yeah, I, I just I, I like how I, I was actually very pleased after reading Supergirl being super to see Supergirl show up in this because mm. uh, she's a great character. It's so good to be reminded of, like characters that you're like this character kind of sucks, and you read a book with them, you're like, no, this character is the best. It definitely <laughs> they you know, work. Yeah, it's, that, it's the right that there are no bad characters, just bad writers. Yeah, agreed. And, and artists. Um, what's Steel in at the moment? Uh, Superwoman, right? Because uh, he, he's, he's married to what's it? No, he shouldn't. It was bad. I know. But, but um, I love Steel. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he, he's married to Lana Lane, right? They married her or are they just doing it? No one in the world reads that book. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> even Lynn. Not even Lynn has an answer for us. Uh, oh, you read it? Lynn are they, are they it. married? A, a, a steel? No, no, they're, they're not married. married. Are they doing it? Are they doing it? <laughs> you don't know? Oh, yeah. Li- <laughs> not li- on panel, Lin- but we're, we're... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You have to assume. Lynn's, Lynn's boyfriend uh, pre-reads all of Lynn's comics and cuts out all the sex scenes <laughs> so she doesn't have to read them. <laughs> uh, issue 20 of Suicide Squad this week um, was... Guess who was the artist on this? Who was the artist on this? Stefan Sedgik. Oh, wow. Who we uh, mar- marveled at uh, his work on uh, Aquaman last, last week. He's so good on Aquaman. Check out how sexy his Captain Boomerang is. 
That is an irresponsibly sexy Captain Boomerang. <laughs> no one should make Captain Boomerang that sexy. Um, <laughs> Jai Courtney couldn't do it. Yeah. So basically, this is an entire issue of after after losing um, Rick Flag, um, they needed to sign a new leader of Suicide Squad, um, and you uh, Amanda Waller is just kind of surveying all the different um, different characters who could potentially be leaders, and um, her, her her decision will shock you. Is it herself? No. Is it Harley Quinn? Yes. No. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> well, I mean, shocked as far as like there's no way you would make a psychopath who's just lost her boyfriend right. um, be the leader. But uh, apparently that's Amanda Waller decides that's a good idea. Um, her boyfriend is in the Joker? No, Rick Flagg. They were dating for a while. What? There were lots of sex scenes. Lynn, Lynn wouldn't what? have read them. Yeah. That's dumb. Uh, but he he represented Awfully, the order that was missing from her life that the oh, couldn't provide. Oh, great! It was a, sounds awesome. It was very well written and nuanced. Mm. Um, I don't care. I, this this book is really really fun. It's it's just like a, a really 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 fun and easy to read comic that just has all the hero the the, the bad guys in it being dumb and stupid. Who gives a shit? Comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it, man, I wish like I'm excited that he's on Aquaman, but like I wish he was doing. This book with way more recognizable characters in it. Like he even makes the new outfit for Deadshot. Who Katana chopped one of his arms off, by the way. Cool. So now he has a robot arm. That's um, cool. But uh, look how good his his Deadshot is. Like yeah. his Deadshot hasn't looked this good since Secret Six. Totally. He doesn't look anywhere near as good as he looked in Secret Six. But like he because his costume is so shitty and Jim Lee remade. Nicola, but, Nicola was saying that um, Nicholas Scott, who did the best art on Secret Six, was saying that. Um, in the script, Gail Simone was always like, oh, yeah, Deadshot's disgusting. And then when Nicola would draw him, she'd be like, I'm drawing him too sexy, but I can't stop because <laughs> all of her men are too sexy. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I think Suicide Squad is uh, just kicking along at a really good play- good pace. Hmm. It's, uh, it's far better than I ever thought it would be. I can't believe you never mentioned that Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg were dating. I did. You just probably won't listen. listen. <laughs> you won't, that's the thing. You, that's the thing. Uh, you, everyone knows that you don't read books all the way through. You also stop listening. <laughs> When I'm not talking, I'm yeah. the worst person. Um, I also read issue nine of Teen Titans, which has one of my favorite things ever about um, comics is when someone's talking on the cover. There's yep. a speech bubble on the cover. I love that. So, um, Kid Flash gets fired, according Kid to Flash, the cover. Well, Kid Flash like was fired in the... What was that? But they're not getting money. Thing? Like, they're Yet. not employed. <laughs> like, I don't understand. You can't say Stop you're fired. fired. For a- yeah, you should be like, you're kicked out of our su- super club. All right. Um, most of this revolves around Aqualad and his parentage. Um, and that was all totally acceptable. And <laughs> it's gonna, <laughs> it's tying into um, one thing which I'm actually quite interested in. I think I'm going to have to start reading Deathstroke again. I might just have to go back to the beginning and read all of Deathstroke. Yeah, I want to do the I same I never have any too. time, but I want to. Yeah, I might just buy them all and just fucking binge. Because Deathstroke is putting together like a team of teen titans, basically. Um, including all of his children, it looks like. And this um, current version of Power Girl and... Um, Kid Flash and what looks like Terror. Wait, Power Girl is back? Yeah, that's Power Girl. That's been the version of Power Girl in this universe for a while. Which which one? You look holding up a, Sorry. a picture, picture with six characters um, on it. Black one with buttons. Oh, cool. That's yeah, Power Girl? That's Power Girl. Sick. Yeah. Okay. I haven't read anything with her in it, but I I support the character design. I think she looks great. And I think it's a really solid um, solution to the like classic Power Girl costume problem where they're like, oh, but the boob window is like, you know, classic it's iconic they just filled it in like in a different color <laughs> it works really well it's really awesome. clever um so this is all like black manta stuff 
I'm going to keep reading this for another couple of issues because I'm a sucker. Yeah, I'm out. Um, um, not, not even a speech roll on the front cover could draw me back to this. <laughs> um, but Detective Comics, issue 959, still reading this one. Uh, one Night Only, Zatanna is uh, the promise that they give you on the cover. And we get a great story in which uh, it kind of, uh, we see some like pre-Batman Bruce Wayne um, mm-hmm. talking to Zatanna on a Las Vegas rooftop when they mm-hmm. were kids. And I really liked that flashback stuff. Um, maybe it reminded me just what a great character Zatanna is. And Absolutely. I just wish she was on a team or something like that, that I got to... Like, if she joins this team, that would be the that best. That would be the best. Um, that would be the best. But yeah, That would it, make this the most, like, n- late 90s, early 2000s Batman book ever. Definitely. Um, and uh, but this really... This this book juggled a lot of things that I... Like, I wasn't really invested in this... Uh, um, What's his name? Azrael. Uh, Azrael um, plot from the last issue, but I, they, he, he brought me in with this. I, I thought this is a really, really good issue. I like um, Batwing's relationship with Cat Kane now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she was not impressed by M one bit, and now they're actually becoming quite good friends. I love the, even though they don't really have any dialogue together. I, I love um, the team up of, of Clayface and um, and Cass Kane. Yep. You can just see them like hanging out at one point, and I also just love Clayface in general. Love Clayface. And in plus, general. we see the return of uh, Doctor Victoria October. Is mm-hmm. that her name? Yep. Yeah, I remember so. it. Very good. Um, um, yeah, James Tini and the Fourth should get more credit for like doing an amazing job at having a really diverse lineup and not like it's just really um, uh, not exploitative. Yeah. Or you know, like he that yeah, I think he does a really solid job of that. And also, like I love that he kind of that there's a character that that's linked to Azrael's background, mm. who you know she, he's not sure how to introduce himself, and she kind of gets him to say like you know like introduce yourself tell me, tell me about yourself and then she introduces herself and then you know she says like she her so like mm. he talks about the, the gender stuff in a really natural way that fits Absolutely. the comic while still showing that this character is so proud of who she is mm-hmm. um yeah this is it's an impressive comic i really it i is. think this is like looking back on this when it finishes however many years from now i think it's going to be quite an important run absolutely and the art on this issue by alvaro martinez who i don't think has done any other issues was really, no, no, really he, lovely. He, Alvaro Martinez is on a bunch, bunch of issues at Detective. Oh, man. She's, I know. Anyway, I really liked it on this issue. Yeah. Um, she was a pretty Zatanna. Yeah, totally. Uh, please make Zatanna a regular on this. I and also, really into there's that. a cool, there's a way cooler monster than any of the monsters that we saw in the Batman and the Monster Men um, run earlier on in this run. That's a spooky. It shows up. Spooky Christian monster. To haunt Azrael. Yeah. I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, did you read Batgirl? I did read Batgirl. I did not. Fair enough. Should I have? Um, let me flick through it and remind myself of what happened in it. So this is still written by Hope Larson. Oh, this was actually kind of fun. This was just like a single issue, one and done little mystery story that was kind of fun where like there's a ghost in a local pool and Batgirl goes to find it. Um, is it but a, it's not a ghost. It's like an alternate dimension tech thing. Oh, I was going to say, is it about tech? <laughs> I fucking hate the tech stuff so much. It was a little bit techy, but I thought... Um, it was actually really fun and silly and I enjoyed it a lot. And I hope that some of these characters show back up and I'm keen to see what the next story arc is. I like the art too. It was a different artist on the series. Someone, Carlini. Was the villain the owner of the organic Ill- fruit shop all along? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish. It did have like a um, like a vlogger who does like paranormal yeah. Investigation. Did Batgirl's housemate leave one scene because she had to go and teach a coding workshop for homeless <laughs> teenagers? 
think you'll find it's Batgirl who teaches coding. Don't Does she write? Okay, shit. <laughs> um, I liked it though. It okay, was good. maybe I'll check it out. It um, over to Young Animal right now and issue eight of Mother Panic by Jodie Hauser, John Paul Leon, and Dave Stewart. I forgot Dave Stewart does colors in this book. Mm. They're great. They're great colors. Um, this comic is just getting stronger and stronger. It's really hitting its stride now. We see, it reminded me a lot of Alias, like the original Brian Bendis series on Marvel Max. The but, art and the panel layouts especially. Yeah, but also she's doing straight up detective work at yeah, some yeah, point yeah. in this in, in this uh, in this book. And, and I thought it, it was better than Alias ever was in that regard. I think like, you know... Showing someone being a good detective is very hard to do in a comic sometimes. Yeah, That's absolutely. why Batman comics are very rarely about that anymore. Um, but this was like really, really successful. You have her kind of like just reading different, different horrible uh, news, news headlines, looking for someone that might be like you know the, mm-hmm. the the work of a killer that she's looking for, and then all, like all these little moments like she's as she's doing her research is also just like looking at the contents of her pockets and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I thought this is a really cool issue and it also balances like you know. She every time she puts on the Mother Panic costume, it fucks her body up in some way, and so they, she's desperate for painkillers and surgery, and she's not able to always go and be the superhero she wants to be all the time because of her body. There's a lot so going on. To, in this. So she has to find different ways of achieving her goals, which is um, really compelling. Yeah, because you forget that that she's also a, a celebrity, yeah, as well as being this underground superhero. I also love that the, um, the character of Ratcatcher. Yeah, um, he's a really great support character in this too. It's a good book. This it's one, a good book, guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it was my least favorite of the Young Animal books, and now it's probably my second favorite after Shade. Hmm, that's impressive. Yeah, good work. Good work, Jodie Howells. Actually, it's cool. Both my favorite um, Young Animal books are written by women. That's nice. Um, it's a good, good lineup. I, I was looking, I, I've held on to all of the um, Young Animal issues, and I, I think they deserve a lot of credit just for having, just feeling like a really full package. They've always got great covers. They've got great backup material. And um, the stories are, you know, unique. It's something genuinely different. And it's so nice to see, like, you know, a big company like DC putting a little bit of faith behind actual creative teams and letting them have time and space to do something different. Yeah, because I can't imagine these single issues are, are doing the numbers that most DC books are doing. But I, I reckon that these will have great trade lives. I hope so, anyway. I hope so, too. Yeah. I don't know how much the Gerard Way element helps sales. More pop stars should start their own uh, DC imprints. Look, I agree. Who do you want? Um, Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Miley, oh God. Have you heard that new song? It's so fucking bad. No. I like, I actually am a fan of like ratchet pop Miley Cyrus. Yeah. I I thought that We Can't Stop song was actually pretty good. And then she also did a song that was like, like just, it looked like someone just kind of typed in hip hop chorus and then just yeah, goog, like copied and pasted. It was like in the club with my shades on, shades oh, on my feet. And I, I thought that was actually a good song. Good and I, I like that era of her. I hated Wrecking Ball. So, but now she's back tangent. being like, I'm white again. And, and so... country. Yeah. And like, I, I, yeah, I, I've totally, I've denounced hip hop and mm. yeah, it's really gross, but mm. her music is so fucking awful now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. Party in the USA is a good song. Your thoughts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like her. Um, yeah, she's not good. Uh, so don't give her an imprint, DC, whatever you do. I well, agree. Actually, yeah, they won't now because she's the voice of a Marvel character, remember? Who's she the voice of? Uh, one of the, like the robot in the in in the Guardians of the Galaxy. She's like She has like two lines in, in number two, but if they, if they do another movie. See, she's, this is she's why I walked Stallone's out, guys. She, yeah, she walked out before she had a line. Oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. 
I wonder I wonder if they signed up Ratchet Pop Miley Cyrus like hell yeah I loved that weird song about Jay's on my feet <laughs> and now she's gone country and like god damn it damn it now we have to use her all the time um, over to Marvel now for our Marvel reviews we've got a bunch of comics here we're going to kick things off with a review of Secret Empire number 5 by Nick Spencer with art by the returning champ Andrea Sorrentino I was excited to see him back on the book um, yeah. and Rod Reyes and Joshua Cassara on colours um, what about the book itself Siobhan what do you think of this event Man, I don't know. It was fine. <laughs> I'd actually forgotten. Somehow, I totally missed it on the shelves. I don't know what was going on with me last week. I, I think, didn't know what was yeah, going look, on. I, I had I, a lot of stuff on. I'll allow... I think fine is an apt description. Yeah, like this. this is... But how is this fine when also Batman and Elmer <laughs> Fudd is fine? Like, that was at least a few steps above fine, right? You just have no feelings anymore. <laughs> um... <laughs> The baby's sapped the baby's up all taken your all of my feelings. Um, like this is very silly, and I hate. And I've said this like pretty much every episode, but I hate how like just like twiddly moustache evil Cap is now. Like that yeah. scene where he's like threatening. Who's even threatening with the hammer? Oh, Beast. That was dumb and annoying. And like, at least. I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand why Beast is cool with Cap in any way. Like that, the, the, yeah. the, my biggest problem with this is like there hasn't been a line wide. This is how evil Captain America is now. Don't go past this line. Yeah, because like in Occupy Avengers, Hydra agents straight up just kill a bunch of farmers at point blank for being angry that that their that their crops are being taken from yeah. them. And Captain America is okay with that, I guess. But I think then, yeah, because I think the line was supposed to be like like Las Vegas, like when he just like bombed the shit out of a whole bunch of people. That was like a line that he crossed. Yeah. Um, and now he's just like tying women to train tracks and shit like that. Like, <laughs> I don't, but then there are some Marvel characters and we learn that like, you know, a, a character like Mockingbird is revealed to be a traitor. Like that's on the Hydra side. That was annoying as hell because she's the most like cliched traitor. Like she's been, She's a, been a traitor so many times, like just for once, for once, guys. Yeah, especially after Chelsea Kane really, you know, fleshed that character out and and for what is made she, her feel like a real character. Like, is she going to show up? In that better in, be that better be a double. Uh, is, did Lynn not read it? Is Lynn upset because? Oh, no, 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 no. Lynn, oh, cool, great, excellent. Lynn, Lynn's upset because we said sex earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, is is is, is I hope Mockingbird? That turns out to be a double bluff. Or something yeah, I know. Annoying. But imagine, no, imagine if Mockingbird now just shows up in comics wearing a t-shirt that says "Ask me about my Hydra agenda." <laughs> <laughs> Look, I would be okay with that. That would be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I still enjoy it. This, this is, uh, as far as event comics go, like it is really enjoyable. But I wish it just existed in its own bubble. Like, yeah. just do events that have no actual. Um, I don't know. That, that's maybe bad, but I don't. I, I, if it was just like an Elseworlds tale, a what if yeah, tale, yeah. that was like, what if, what if Captain America was evil, and it's just this massive, you know, top tier talent, ongoing book. Like, I, I'm okay with it. A consistent but because, art team would be like totally. an absolute treat. But because everything you see here, you know, will carry on into the Marvel universe after this. <laughs> I have more of a trouble. And it makes me sneeze twice. I'm so allergic. <laughs> I'm allergic to Nick Spencer dialogue. <laughs> I'm allergic to Mockingbird double crosses. So yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I'm, it's it's not it's not bad. It's you know it just certainly is an event. Yeah, totally. And like when we've seen how good an event that does like you know make big line wide changes can be in the form of um, Secret Wars, this is sort of hard to solve. The one thing I did like, I liked. The Odin Sons, because before this it was very like, 
why the fuck is Odin's son siding with Cap on this? And in this, you kind of get it. Well, because Cap sense. is worthy to, to wield Molnir. Exactly. After like voodooing uh, Jane Foster away somehow. Yeah. Um, and I like the Black Widow bits. That was pretty fun. I thought Hercules had, had some great moments in this yep. too. And um, I would like to see Sorrentino just do a Hercules book. Yeah. That would be cool. I would be cool with that. Yeah, me too. Sorrentino's great. Sorrentino is great. It's good to get a reminder of that. And the what, what was up with the the weird like I I don't know where this like dreamscape is that Cap Steve like good Cap is stuck in, but now like Bucky's there and Sam's there and now also the Red Skull, but like a shirtless Red Skull. Yeah, hot a, Red Skull. Red Skull's hot now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and he's gonna hit you with a with a bat with nails in it, and you're gonna hot. love it because he's hot now. Love um, it. Also, uh, I guess Bruce Banner is alive again. Oh, yeah. I, there were so many dumb reveals in this issue. that like I'd forgotten about that entirely. I was silly. Yeah, so many ridiculous reveals. And is it is this going to be a 10-issue event now? Yes. So we're at issue, that's issue five. We have five I'm more of these to go. I'm exhausted by this. <laughs> that's the problem. Events should be like three issues long. My child is going to be going away to university by the time <laughs> this is over. <laughs> but and least, I will have spent all of his funds on fucking tie-ins. And at, lost, at least you'll have his, your feelings back by then. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, you, or you have you have one feeling you have you have loathe and disgust. <laughs> <laughs> one feeling, it's fine. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. It's another one too. So di- indifference, because that, that's really what fine is, right? Yeah, pretty much. You said acceptable earlier. Like that was like your word. You replaced it. I yeah, would love exactly. if, you, if you just described comics as acceptable every week. Um, wh- overall, though, Marvel had a pretty good week. There were some good books that came. Actually, no, I'm looking at this. Was some. I'll, I'll find some good ones. Yeah. Jean Grey this week. Um, we complained in uh, about some other uh, Secret Empire tie-ins of how bad the depictions of Namor have been lately. Mm. Uh, he's a character that's been sorely missed from the Marvel Universe, for, at least from my end, uh, yeah. for the last couple of years. And so I was really hoping for a big glorious return, and that's not what we've gotten in the pages of uh, the tie-ins well, so he's far. he's been in like every comic. But it's just like a shit version of him. Totally. Anyway, uh, in Jean Grey, issue number three, written by Dennis Hopeless, with art by Victor Ibanez. Um we uh, we see um, Jean Grey go underwater to try and track down Namor to get some advice from a previous uh, wielder of the Phoenix, host of the Phoenix, um, to get some advice of what she what she should do now that she knows that the Phoenix is, has her eyes on her. Mm. And um, Namor is like super camp, super quippy, and 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 rude. Mm-hmm. And I loved his. Uh, even like he gets paralyzed at one point and can't even move and he's still a complete prick. Yeah, totally. And I just thought that was so awesome and exactly as I want this character to be represented. Um, I think this this book is is doing a lot to actually make me enjoy this young version of Jean Grey. Actually, yeah. I can't think of any version of Jean Grey I've ever enjoyed. I, she, is it not, not a good character? The only version I can remember enjoying, I think was also written by Dennis Hopeless. I think it was Dennis Hopeless. I should really look that up before I talk about it. But... um. In that one-off standalone book that Jamie McKelvey did the art on that was like a sort of year one story for like the original oh, X-Men yeah. but kind of updated. I think Dennis Hopeless wrote that. And I quite like the version of Jean Grey in that. So he's obviously got a good idea of like what makes that character work. I like there's a Grant Morrison issue where they, the, the entire issue is set inside Jean Grey's mind. Oh, yeah, that was pretty That good. was really good. That was cool. Um, I'm sure there are other instances of her being a, not, a, not a boring character, but she is mostly a, mostly boring, a character. boring character. There but, was a bit in this that I really hated where at the beginning of it, he's like, Namor calls her a tadpole and then she <laughs> saves him from like yeah. the Kraken character and he goes, ah, a tadpole no more. That was lame. Because A, still they've only known each other for a couple of hours. And B, does that like make her a frog now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that would be great if you just called her a frog and she was like, what the fuck? He's <laughs> like, no, I'm trying to be complimentary. Um, I also wish I I wish for a sexier name. <laughs> I uh, wish, yeah, wish Stefan Sedgwick was um, also drawing Namor. Yeah, but it was a, it was a it was a much closer to the version of Namor that I want to see than what we've seen Agreed. recently. Um, I like that this book it's just gonna it seems like it's just gonna be Jean Grey meets the entire Marvel universe issue by issue. Yeah, because the next issue is her with Odinson for some reason. Yeah, um, and that looks that looks awesome. Hopefully yeah. he'll be he'll be sexy enough for you. I don't know. He's wearing a shirt these days. <laughs> Get it off. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a good book. I mean, it's so funny that that, that first issue was just like so meh. And then since then, it's just gotten really, really fun. Agreed. Um, another really fun book that I uh, that I almost tapped out of, but Siobhan convinced me to keep reading, was Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme, which I imagine must be pretty close to its finale. It's written by Robbie, to- Robbie Thompson with um, art by Javier Rodriguez and Alvaro Lopez. Colors uh, by Jordi Belair also. Very important. Extremely beautiful. And so this is a Doctor Strange book in which he teams up with a bunch of other Sorcerers Supreme from different dimensions and times. And Howard the Duck. <laughs> and Howard the Duck has accidentally tagged along on the adventure too. And just the very cool high concept ideas that affect how the comic is, is written and laid out are just really, really fun. Like in yep. this, they, they jump into a book that is powering a demon and so the first like six pages or whatever this book of, of, of this issue are just them kind of navigating their way through the book as like different letters attack them and um, they fold the pages over and make it into origami at one point. And like, it, it's really, really clever and fun. Absolutely. This is like a really enjoyable, silly magic book. Yeah. I like it a lot. And just as things seem to be wrapping up, something crazy happens and uh, looks like we're going to learn the, 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 the story of this Wiccan of the future in the next I- I- issue. I like it. I like Wiccan as a character. And, uh, you know, it, it, team books, especially when there's a team of people that we've never really seen before, mm. it's hard balancing all the different characters, making sure everyone stands out and gets their shine without making it over overbearing. And I think um, Robbie Thompson does a great job of that. Agreed. And, um, yeah, I mean, Rodriguez's art is always good. And Belair's colours are always lovely. Good book. Win all around. Uh, Punisher, issue number 13. Um, this was a fun book it really was becky clunan doing just great work on uh, on the punisher without even continuing the story she did, did a which we've loved so far um she did a one shot w- 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 in which the punisher reprimands some children with art by chris anchor who knew chris anchor could draw such a good um Say character it. with a shirt on <laughs> <laughs> good punisher um, matt wilson on colors as well um so this is yeah, basically um Punisher returns to Brooklyn and um, goes into his like you know underground lair and um, realizes that someone's stolen one of his guns um, and then uh, looks his at his footage and figures out that a kid has snuck into his um, little little hiding house and uh, and stolen a gun and so this is him trying to track down the kid then track down the gun and uh, it's a really really great fun story. Um, that like you know it, it shouldn't it's one of those ones like punisher and kids i don't want to read that but but pulled off so so well yeah and um, yeah i loved this issue it wasn't all about him just like you know just killing everybody it was you know yeah he, at one point he just shoots someone's hand off that's all he did remind me of taxi well actually the guy shoots his own hand off oh yeah well, it's still. gross it's real gross but uh yeah becky clunan is is doing such good work on this book and uh chris anger's it's just, you know, I like him on anything. Agreed. Um, and this was this is really special. Yeah. I hope Becky Clunan is on this book for a good long time. And I hope Declan Shalvey always does the covers. Agreed. Because it's one of the best covers gallery, um, cover galleries from, from Marvel in quite some time. Yeah, I like how the, the various ways that he hides the, the Punisher skull around. 
the covers. Um, Declan Shalvey has actually been doing covers for another Punisher book. It's Deadpool versus the Punisher that I've been keeping up with, written by Fred Van Lante with art by Perry Perez. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the Shalvey and Belair covers are very, very dope. Um, but uh, this um, this book is basically the two, Dead Deadpool and Punisher, are looking trying to track down uh, someone who funds all of, basically does all the banking work for some of the world's biggest criminals, hmm. and uh, he, he's Deadpool has been hired as his body bodyguard, and Punisher just wants to take this guy down, and um, it's a good mix of funny from the Deadpool side, and then like dramatic from the Punisher side, and um, it, there is some, there's a you know pretty funny moment where they're about Punisher and Deadpool are about to kill each other, and then Deadpool thinks that they have the same mother's name. And then, and then there's a riff on Batman v Superman that was pretty amusing, um, and it it ends in a pretty pretty great way. It, like you know, it, it it tried. I think if it if it ended in a dramatic way, it would have been a letdown. But it it ends with like a some funny Deadpool shit and nice. uh, Fred Van Lente, um, who I wish would just go back and write more weird detective, but instead he's just taking heaps of other jobs. Oh man, I would love to read more weird detective. <laughs> it's a really good Dark Horse book that uh is just MIA for a while. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he had a good good grasp of uh, both the characters of Punisher and Deadpool in this book. Uh, it looks like I'm going to be reading another Deadpool book next week as well. You are too. Oh, really? Issue number one of Deadpool Kills the Marvel uh, Universe Again. Yeah, I did see that. I do like books where a character kills everybody. Again. Again. <laughs> Beat that Punisher. You've only done it once. <laughs> one book that I read that I don't think you read. Nope. Is the um, Amazing Spider-Man issue 29, co-written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage with the... Very extremely excellent Stuart Immonen on um, pencils, Wade Chris, Von Broadbanger. Uh, Chris Von, Chris, Christos Gage always gets roped in to do all of the tie-ins to events. Uh, what did you do, Christos? <laughs> <laughs> I remember he, he wrote that um, pretty boring uh, Civil War II tie-in last year as well. Right, I remember. Yeah. Um, so this is the first of the Civil War tie-in, sorry, fucking Secret Empire tie-ins. Um Insert Marvel event here. Yeah, God. Which is mostly about the superior octopus, which is the current version of Doc Ock, who is in a cloned version of Peter Parker's body, I believe. What? Wow. I think that's correct. Um, But so it's just them kind of fighting for the first time. But there were some good elements in this. Like, this is probably the more boring version of Spider-Man, in that he's like, I'm just a tech CEO. And that's pretty dumb and boring. Um, But Stuart Eminem... Makes this book better than it, you know, Should has be. any right to be. Yep. And he draws a great um, Anna Maria. I was going to say, does does does, so does she have any dialogue with Octavius? No, they haven't actually um, had any contact yet. But there's this whole bit where she's like, ah, this guy that I've been dating. And Peter's like, what? I didn't even know you were dating someone. She's like, yeah, that's because you're a really bad friend, Peter. <laughs> Which I thought was good fun. Um, so I actually think that this book is maybe improved by this um, Secret Empire tie-in. So far, anyway, this was a more fun issue than it has been um, over the last couple of... The last story arc, which was this kind of Silver Sable nonsense. Um, another book that tied into Secret Empire this week was Occupy Avengers number 8, written by, oh boy, David F. Walker. Nailed it. Not Kevin. Uh, sorry to David for the last uh, 10 issue episodes. <laughs> um, with art by Martin Morazzo, who we loved on The Electric Sublime. Yep. Um, and uh, Jorge Coelho, with uh, colours by Matt Lopez. Um, <laughs> which my boyfriend was reading this issue and he was like, man, this artist had a whole like change of personality halfway through the book. And I was like, no, it's just a different artist. Very, very <laughs> noticeably different. Um, but yeah, I, I loved uh, Martin Morazzo's yeah. interpretations of the characters. That was the really good half. fun. Um, okay, biggest reveal from this issue. 
Mm-hmm. Nighthawk is dead. Yeah. What a heartbreaking like thing to discover. But I love um, what was her name before that? Anyway, his former sidekick character taking on the mantle. Um, that was night, like a night, nice deadly nightshade. Deadly nightshade. Yep. Taking on the mantle was a um, sort of a nice moment. I thought. Yeah, but I also don't want him to be dead. That's no, it, I don't he, want him to be dead. He gets either. killed in like a flashback, two panels, and yeah, I mean, like it actually, the, the coldness of that happening actually works for how cold Absolutely. the character and David F. Walker's run of the character was, and also like the sort of like that for me, I kind of liked it as a moment, just because it in these kinds of like. You know, if this was a real horrifying war, that is kind of the way that death happens, you know? Like, you just hear about it and you're like, fuck, that person died. And you don't get to say goodbye and you don't get to make a big deal of it. Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't even get killed in costume. He gets killed. He gets shot yeah. when a bunch of, of, of black people are killed by Hydra agents. Yeah. In, like, a kind of, you know, semi-real real world mirroring incident. Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty believable. Um, Man, I would love if Martin Morazzo got more. He's such a good artist. He he actually did two of the issues of Nighthawk as well, so it is cool to see him return uh, to, to, to work with David F. Walker again. His He's, Black Widow is lovely. Yes, definitely. And I, like, I even like how weird his thing looks. Yeah, totally. That's a crumbly thing. Um, <clears throat> he should be crumbly. Agreed. Like a violet crumble. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, this is basically um, uh, that Hawkeye isn't with the this team anymore. Um, and they're trying after, after Nighthawk's been killed by Hydra agents. It's it's Deadly Nightshade is basically trying to convince the entire team that they just have to just kill all Hydra agents and mm. destroy Hydra, no matter what the cost. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I I mean, it's a good use of that team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we do ha- we do cut to um, to Hawkeye helping them out from the underground base that he's a part of. But I'm sad that like this is finishing so soon. Is the next issue the last issue? It seems that way. Judging by like the cover, it says Last Stand. So that's disappointing because I think this was a really solid book with some fun concepts and I wish it had been given a bit more of a chance. Fucking Nighthawk died too. I'm sorry, I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, it, it, it's pretty, it seems like a massive middle finger to Marvel. Like, okay, you won't let me re- um, write this book anymore. I'm just going to kill just, the character. You don't get to use him. Fuck you. <laughs> He's out. But I mean, I love that. legacy characters and the idea of a mantle being passed is pretty fun. It's always good fun. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what should we do? Cable number two. Did you read this? Yeah. Um, it's by James Robinson with art by um, Pache- Carlos Pacheco mm-hmm. um, and uh, inks by Rafael Fonteris. Um, this is like a time-traveling cable story that I think actually has a lot in common with James Robinson's other book for Marvel at the moment, Nick Fury, in that a bunch of shit happens and the story is not important. True. In this, mostly it's just cable fights some um, samurai. samurai with cool future swords and then he ends up in the Aztec era and they have cool future wings yeah it's, it looks nice it's very silly and then you can read every issue in about one minute <laughs> I enjoyed it yeah I know it's actually quite fun um, but I like Nick Fury way more even though you don't sucked in fair enough we don't have to agree about everything it's true that's fine <laughs> Um, Infamous Iron Man number nine by Brian Bendis, the first of two Bendis books that we're going to review in the next five minutes. Um, Brian Bendis with art by um, uh, Alex Maleve and Matt Hollingsworth. This book is great. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's got some really, really great um, uh, read, sorry, not read, um, uh, Johnny Storm and Thing moments. Um, when Johnny Storm admits that the reason he hasn't been hanging out with Ben at all is because he reminds him of Reed and Sue and the family and he dismisses them so much and, and he doesn't like being reminded. 
Um, and that has kind of has them like catching up over what they've been doing the last year. So you like it brings up how thing was on the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, what was that all about? And he's mm. like, dude, you were with the Inhumans. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and that was really amusing. But then, uh, yeah, like, uh, um, you have some great stuff between Riri Williams and and um, and Doctor Doom as Iron Man, um, and the issue ends with him in a shield holding cell. Um, and some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are debating whether or not they should kill him, and then he's rescued by someone from his past, which is really, really cool. Mm. It's a good book. It's like good Bendis, like very good Bendis. And I, I don't know. I'm, we're about to talk about another book that I thought was a very good Bendis as well, but really, I'll let you introduce it. Um, so The Defenders, which is written by um, the aforementioned Bendis, with art by David Marquez, is the sort of out-of-continuity... Is it? I don't know. I don't understand where this is supposed to fit. Just um, not not during Secret Empire. I, I just yeah, but also not as... during what's going on with Jessica Jones or Luke Cage or Iron Fist. Like Iron Fist is on an island or some shit. Sure. Um. So this is pretty much just to be like, guys, you like Netflix? Have we got Netflix in comic book form for you? The best bit about this whole issue is when Blade shows up for two pages. For but no don't reason. Tease me with Blade and then <laughs> get rid of him. That sucks and is annoying. And there's a couple of pages of this where, like, I really like David Marquez. It's very, very pretty. But the panel layouts are, like, bad and confusing. <laughs> um, like, this was – there was just a couple of moments in this where I was like, I don't know – you know, I think I'm I think I'm pretty okay at reading comics and, like, understanding them. And there were a couple of moments where I was like, I don't understand what the fuck is going on here or where I'm supposed to be reading or, like, where the, where the next panel is supposed to go. And I thought it was really poorly done. Um – and it just doesn't like. There's nothing about this that's especially appealing to me, really. Yeah, right. I I, I really love. Like the art's pretty, but it annoys me when I, when it's badly laid out. I really liked when Jessica Jones took on Diamondback, and then all of his, um, all of Diamondback's uh, like men aimed their guns at her, and um, you're like, oh shit, she's that that you know he, they've got her, and then you just see them all get taken out by Daredevil's, what is it? Batten. Bow staff thing. Bowsy stick. What's it called? Like a billy billy club. Billy club. There we billy go. club. And it's just like ding 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 ding. I thought that was an awesome, awesome yeah. panel. And then it just you know he catches it and he's in like a ninja stance. I thought that was a really fun introduction to him in this. Um, also, the, the fight sequences are really good in this. Yeah, I thought they were okay. Also, the bit where like um, Iron Fist confronts Wilson Fisk in like a. See, I loved that. But like, why would why would Wilson Fisk not know who Danny Rand was? He does though. Yeah, but it takes him like a minute. That's dumb and annoying. Well, he's, he only, he's, only, he's only seen the lower half of his face. But that also was confusing. I thought that was a poorly written bit because I was like, lower half is in like his legs, but Iron Fist is known for his legs. Fists. No, legs aren't the lower half of your face. Yeah, but he didn't say the lower half of my face. He said, you know, the bottom half mostly. Anyway, <laughs> I'm clearly an idiot. You know, and my I didn't legs. understand this, and I thought it was average. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess you know, like I, you, you go into this. Um, Going like here we go, Bendis, and then it's always a nice surprise. There's a Punisher reveal at the end. Also, Wilson says, "I know the face," <laughs> and then he says, "You know the bottom half mostly." <laughs> yeah, but Wilson. Anyway, I don't want to get into <laughs> the it. bottom half of the face. <laughs> yeah, all right, I understand, but also like w- Wilson Fisk would. Anyway, it's fine. Whatever. I, I like that that Wilson Fisk is trying to be legit. In I don't in understand Marvel why Universe Night now. Nurse is that sexy as well. <laughs> 
She's irresponsibly sexy for a woman in her position. I kind of I wish that they just made her Rosario Dawson, like of all the things to align with. Like, yes, just make her Rosario Dawson. Actually, just make and her name is Rosario Dawson now. Rosario Dawson's written some comics, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, more Blade. She's mine and Jim's like number one crush. Also, I we talk about her a lot. I bet that this is going to be another book that Siobhan complains about every week. It never drops. I feel like I feel like I can't be bothered with it. Okay, I really feel like I'm going to drop it. I could prove me wrong. I'm going to bring it home for my boyfriend anyway, so I'll end up reading it. All you need to know is this was not fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Black Panther, number 15. Uh nehisi Coates with Wilfredo Torres, who I thought was not... I and Adam Gorham as well, that's right. So there was, there was two artists on this. I thought it was the weakest art this book has seen so far. And I'm not sure if, if it was that or maybe the story is a bit not great that uh, I didn't really enjoy this issue. Oh, I really like this issue. I thought it was good fun. And also next um, issue is the return of Chris Sprouse, which yeah. I am very keen for. That, that, was the, that was the best part of the book. Those last pages with, where it has uh, him, him and Storm talking yeah, together. Yeah, that was beautiful. But I thought, yeah, there's like, so there's like a, por- a, a bunch of portals opening and monsters are coming out of it. And what should be a really fun kind of seeing all the different parts of Wakanda, like the, um, the Dora Milaje and, um, and, you know, we, you see Black Panther and his, Sister and um, like what should be like a really fun like as you check into all the different teams taking out all the monsters. I just thought it was like a bit of a mess and the monsters are super generic looking and I don't know. Like I, I, I didn't think they were generic looking. They were like cool yetis and stuff like that. Yeti is a, the most generic monster ever. <laughs> I like a good yeti. <laughs> um, I thought this was like I I think that this is fun because it's like after the sort of very serious um, and political nature of the last couple of arcs, this is much more of just a straight up kind of superhero action thing with like supernatural elements. And I like the um, way we're seeing Shuri's powers develop and like what she can do. So she brings back all of these, you know, previous um, like dead, like army of the dead pretty much to take out all these cool yetis. And they are cool guys. Yeah, but I don't like. I just don't, he doesn't know how to write action scenes yet. Like I'm just looking through it now. There's no action. It's just like you see them posing after they've done something, or before it, and there's nothing in between. Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, I thought know. it was good. Yeah. I really like this, and I like the, um, you know, this is kind of bringing in a, like old god, new god sort of dichotomy, and I think that's kind of what is going to be the big thing. Um, in this, which I think is a fun concept, and the stuff with um, Storm was really great, and I liked it, guys. Yeah, the th- the storms, it's good, and Storm's going to feature prominently in the next issue too, which is exciting. I like seeing all the different areas of Wakanda as well. I like what um, Coates is doing in terms of expanding the Black Panther world. Yeah, definitely. Good fun. Um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur this week, written by um, Brandon Montclair with Natasha Bustos on art, Tamara Bonvian on colors. Um, this is uh, still continuing her um, trying to solve all the problems of Girl Moon, who is a girl who is a moon who reached out to Luella for help, Luella for help. Um, and uh, so it's like lots of great space stuff as she tries mm-hmm. to deal with the problems that a planet would face, or I'm sorry, an actual moon would face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then meanwhile, on, on Earth, she's left a robot version of herself, which is very obviously a completely yeah. <laughs> incompetent robot, uh, to, to go to school for her. And um, there's some fun kickball-related antics. And then she returns home to get reprimanded by a Doombot. Which I love. And the Doombot's head is sitting on a um, like rocking horse. It's mm-hmm. very funny. I like it. I, I like actually, the inclusion of Doombot. 
Yeah, me too. It reminds me a lot of uh, a character in... Um... In Empowered? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. Evil Belt? Yeah, that's right. It's very much the same role, but it's really good fun. And I like the sort of... The, the moon, the girl moon is like Ego's daughter, but she never... She feels really lonely because they're... Um... What's it called? <sighs> Spinning around each other. Orbiting. Orbiting. Never like aligned, so they never get to see each other's faces. Um, so she feels like she's all alone out there. I feel like she could be Moon Girl's first like villain almost but um i'm into it i like it a lot oh and then it's an alternate universe stuff this comic is great yeah it's great it really, it really does um kind of it really is an adventure that goes all over the marvel universe um, and i like lunella's sort of boundless confidence it's such a like attractive um quality in her while also being like kind of her fatal flaw it's um yeah i love this comic um final marvel comic that i read oh I you read do, do, do the other superheroes first um so i also read the totally awesome hulk which is written by greg pack with art by robert gill which ties into the wep- weapons of mutant destruction thing with um weapon x and this pretty much just reads like the next issue of that it's all right <laughs> <laughs> i don't like you reading it but i'm gonna um i also read x-men blue i got yeah i got like two pages in this and yeah. then was reminded that there's the ultimate version of Wolverine in this team and I was like I don't give a fuck about this and closed the, the book yeah my main issue with this like it was kind of like um, young beast young Jean Grey and young Wolverine going out on like Chinese New Year it looks like and it's like a big festival and they're like we're just being normal teens but then there's like some mutant shit that happens um, and my main issue with this was the art wasn't that great and that's an unnecessarily sexy version of Jean Grey done <laughs> um, I also read Electra. do you know I read Electra? Oh, I forgot I didn't even pick it up. What? I'm you. I'm the new Siobhan Coombs. There I've you got go. a baby in me. <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> I have no emotions. Um, I really enjoyed this. I was slightly confused by it because I definitely missed the last couple of issues. But it looks like all of the um, Daredevil books, which we've been like all the different um, running with the devil yep. books, are all going to tie in in some really? way. Because it How looks do you like... There may have been a, a overarching force who's been manipulating everything this whole time. All right. Interesting. Hmm, which I thought was cool. And I really liked the art. And I liked this version of Arcade. And I thought it was great. Well, especially because Kingpin and Bullseye have both finished. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I could be totally wrong. But that's sort of what it seemed to imply in the back of that issue. Over in the Star Wars world, Dr. Afra, issue number eight, written by Kieran Gillen, with art by... Andrea Brook. Ricardo. Ricardo. Um, this uh, is the finale of the Screaming Citadel arc, and a whole bunch of stupid bullshit happens in this issue. I fucking hated it. The, uh, the, the cartooning was great. Yeah, it was um, a great looking book. But I just thought like this story was just a just a shitty mess. It was and a very confusing one in terms of like how it all gets resolved, and they're like, oh, now this person is the leader of all the bugs, and now this person is the leader of all the bugs. Like there was this weird bug hierarchy that I was very confused by. Didn't feel very Star Warsy at all, um, with like Han Solo being like the fucking leader of the bugs. I, I, ugh, this was a, I'm not even like that kind of Star Wars fan. I just hated this. Yeah, it wasn't great, but I'm, I'm I'll still read Doctor Aphra. <laughs> I'm gonna give Star Wars one more one more uh, one more issue. Are you gonna read Doctor Aphra? Um, yeah, I'll give it. I'll give that another issue too. But I'm just like I, I think of all the everything da- like Marvel's doing right now. I think the Star Wars stuff is like the most boring and disappointing to me now. Yeah. It it did have a much stronger beginning than where it currently is, which is pretty classic for comics. <laughs> so those are our Marvel reviews, which leaves us with just the image reviews to go. Uh, we forgot to review this at the in, in the number ones, but just quickly, they re-released uh, 
the, one of the most famous image number ones. Mm. Uh, the 25th anniversary of Spawn, um, the Todd McFarlane creation. The, the, the first issue was re-released in a special director's cut. It's very shiny. Super shiny. Um, did you read through this at all? You flicked nah. through. I've I've never read a Spawn comic, and I was just interested. Um, and so you have like the the reprints of the original inks. Cool. Um, oh, that's actually this. really beautiful. And like, yeah, it, it was good to get a reminder that like, Tom McFarlane is a fucking incredible artist. Yeah. Um, and like some of the layouts in this, like, I mean, the story is fucking trash. Who gives a shit about? Sp- I mean, I'm sorry to Spawn fans. There are I know there are a lot of you, but uh, yeah, I mean, the the story itself was was pretty lousy, but. Um, some of his his pencils and, and, and ink, especially the inks, like they're just they're so cool. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. And, and some of the the lay- layouts and everything in this, I, I really, I'm, I'm glad I flicked through it. Um, pick it up if you are a Spawn fan for sure. There's uh, definitely some cool little background stuff. And and normally, like you know, if if DC or Marvel do this, they'd give it charge like ten bucks or whatever. But it's only four ninety nine US. Nice. A whole lot of bonus shit in there too. Cool. Um. So. Uh, Onto the most exciting thing for both of us this week. Yay. Um, Black Magic Return, the Greg Rucker and Nicholas Scott book um, about a, uh, a young witch in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Witch slash detective. That's right. I forgot. That's a very important part. She uh, is a detective who uh, often w- like looks, uh, looks into murders that um, have a direct correlation to her witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this issue, number six, delved into her backstory. And we, mm. ba- we basically saw her... Her like uh um, what's the uh, like the the female version of the um is it bat mitzvah? Yeah, yeah. bat mitzvah for it's witches. Mitzvah. Absolutely. She uh she came she like yeah she basically gets her, her witch powers or, or like her in- induction ceremony Absolutely. initiation. Um and uh, Siobhan, you are you are, you are on re- on the record in this very episode as saying that this is better than Wonder Woman. What what did you think? I love this issue so much. I think this was so good. Apparently, this was like a um, originally they hadn't intended to do this issue but then they decided they needed to do something so you got a bit of an idea of who Rowan was and her family and her back history and um, I thought this was such a beautiful issue like Nicola does such amazing character work like you want to know who every single one of these characters are and her grandmother looks so lived in and the house that they live in looks real and um, the sort of grayscale wash over everything is beautiful and the little flashes of color and as we see Rowan struggling with like the realization that you know things aren't things aren't great for witches and they tend to get hunted down and killed and all of her past lives have died in increasingly horrific ways it's um yeah! Wow! What a great issue. Yeah, I'm really All glad that, that yeah. I'm really glad that they did this because um, if they, you know, coming back after a long hiatus and then throwing you straight back into the main mystery of the story, I'd be like, "Who's that again? Who's yeah, that?" Totally. And it was a good to get like a little refresher of some of the main characters, even if it was set in the past. Um, I wonder if the next issue will continue this look back, mm. or it will uh, jump jump us forward in time. I don't know. I'm happy it's... either way because this is a it's just it's good to be back in this world again. Absolutely, and you know, like I mean. I've spoken to Nicola about the series quite a lot and she was sort of saying that um, this issue for her is like, you know, this is this is her favourite thing that she's ever had to work on and it's very cathartic for her to work on and it makes her feel very close to her mother personally. And wow. like, her mother passed away last year and so this is her, like a lot of the a lot of the um, house is based on the house that she grew up in and the pictures, the pictures that they had on the walls. And so you can, like, and you feel that, you feel how personal it is and I think that even if I hadn't already had that conversation with her, you could tell that... Um, 
just by reading it, you know? Yeah. Her, you uh, feel it. Her, her art is phenomenal in black and white. Absolutely. <coughs> this is her book. You it's know? very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Greg Rucker's great, but this is her book as far It's as back, baby. Tell. Hopefully Greg Rucker doesn't take on any other major two work in the next little while. Fingers crossed, guys. Just this and Old Guard and Lazarus from here on out. Stick to it, Greg. <laughs> um, Saga had a new issue this week. Uh, chapter 44 of Saga by Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughan. Um, they are on the abortion planet. Mm-hmm. Um, getting up to adventures. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, um, one of the main characters has some magical powers for some reason. Um, and I, 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 We can't talk too loudly about Saga because we don't want to spoil it for everybody in the office who hasn't read it yet. And also for our listeners... It's not it's not a book that you want to spoil for people. Absolutely not. But this is a very like I mean, Saga is a book that has from the very beginning been about sex in a very explicit and non explicit way. Like, um, you know, it's about relationships and it's about intimacy and it's about physicality and the way all those things kind of interact. And this is definitely an issue that explores many, many aspects of that in a way that um is fun and interesting. Yes, definitely. Yeah. With many of the different characters all having different relationships with and um, experiences with physical relationships and I loved it and that last page reveal was a classic Brian K. Vaughan what the f- what is going on BKV yeah do, do so without saying what the cliffhanger is do we think that this is something that's been induced by potential like you know that the, 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 the character who's seeing it is seeing things or do we think know. this is a potential thing that's just going to be real now this could just be a thing that's real now I think right. could be just knowing Knowing him, totally could be. Um, do you think this is something that the character has done to themselves, or this is a thing that the character just woke up as? Oh, maybe could yeah. be because yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a pretty influential character that could have inspired it. Anyway, Absolutely. I'll stop trying to be cryptic now. But great issue, great issue, and extremely excited to see where they where they take this with the next one. Absolutely. Um, I mentioned it earlier in the episode, but Dustin Weaver did another edition of Packless, his anthology book, um, issue number two. We really loved the first one. Um, it kind of uh, told a, a big sci-fi story, um, and then like a really weird story that led, led into that, and then like a little a little bit of another story as mm-hmm. well. Um, from the first page of this, I was like, man, this is going to be a really great series to collect and watch evolve mm-hmm. he does these weird meta things in which in on the on the first page like the opening the inside cover in which the characters kind of respond to being in a comic mm-hmm. it's very meta and silly but it's so cool Absolutely. Um, one character gets recognized as being the guy from the weird bug story from the last issue mm-hmm. um and then um, the, um one of the characters from the sci-fi story is reading that happening and saying this is absurd that's not how they make comics and then like she's picking up dial like word balloons it's, know, it's just so cool and even from that first page i was just like man i love this, that this yeah exists. this is so good this is like a really bizarre high concept comics done extremely well like that first story which is just a kind of one and done and a very sort of weird hard to explain yeah, it was Little a, story. written by DJ Bryant called the An Empty Shell in the Ocean. And it doesn't necessarily make sense. And the writer said it didn't. And uh, uh, Dustin Weaver said, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to draw it. Yeah, absolutely. Which I loved. <laughs> um, and then uh, there is a uh, ongoing sci-fi story um, called a- Am- Amnia, Amnia Cycle. Cycle. And this is a comic that uh, he draw he writes as he draws it. Yeah. Um, although he said just, you know, just by the end of this second, second kind of chapter of it, he's doing that less and less and actually pre-planning it like you know more and more just because he's working thinking of the story more mm. in his head um and uh it's it's a really really fun high concept sci-fi book um with yeah. with some incredible dogfighting scenes 
<clears throat> I, I, I refer to like uh, like a spaceship. Yes. Dog fighting, not, not literal fighting of dogs in the yes. street for money, uh, which terrible. is not something that I've ever done in my life. Or um, that we support. Uh, there's officially. also a, a reveal of uh, this insane planet that looks like two planets stuck together like an hourglass. Yep, that's which really is good fun. A really cool thing that I've never seen in sci-fi before. Totally. Um, yeah, and it's just like it's like remind you know the other anthology comic Sun Bakery. It's so different to that, but they're both bursting with really cool ideas, and they feel very personal and 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 and, and awesome. It's fun, just like you know, Image gives um, creators space to do something like this, which I don't think would happen at pretty much any other publisher. Totally. <coughs> um, I read <coughs> Red Redneck um, issue three. Mm-hmm. By so Donny Cates, Lisandro Estherin, and uh, D. Caniff, and um, this uh, issue. Um, was fine. <laughs> this book is yeah, it's it's acceptable. Actually, you know what? You know what? I enjoy the older vampire showing up. That was up. cool. I don't like Lissandro Estherin's. I like it, his art overall, but he's the main character. I guess has the worst drawn facial hair I've ever seen in a comic, and he's on pretty it much is every page. A hilarious long droopy mustache. But he doesn't draw it very well. It just looks like this thing that's on his on his head. That's. <laughs> That's a fair point. It's really interesting because, like, I feel like this series has been running for so much longer than three issues, which sounds bad, and yeah. I feel like it is bad. Um, I'm I'm not that engaged with the story. I don't think I don't hate it, but um, I don't love it. Yeah, um, I was going through my old comics the other day, trying to um, thin my collection down a little bit, mm-hmm. and I came across a, a a dark horse book that I really loved called Buzzkill. Did read it? it was about a guy that could only had superpowers when he was drunk, or like or, or, or high. Mm. Even like cigarettes gave him superpowers in a way. And I, I was like, I was like, who wrote that? And it was Donny Cates. Oh, interesting. So that was the first thing that Donny was Cates it just wrote. a single issue? No, it's four issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, 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 really great series. If anyone wants to track it down or read it digitally, mm. um, uh, Underwinter issue number four um, by Ray Forks came out this this week, and I think this is like the end of this first first kind of volume. Um, mm. Uh, I think, or maybe I'm getting confused with something else. <clears throat> yeah, en- end of part four. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's going to continue a bit. But this, um, it's everything's starting to make more sense. This is yeah. about the string quartet who are for, who are kind of paid a great deal of money to perform blindfolded to a weird organization, and as after they perform. Uh, weird things happen to each of the members, which that just sounds like such a fucking great concept, and it, it is. And um, really well realized. Like Ray Fox's art is so non, like non. It sounds dumb because what is traditionally comic booky, but it's a very different sort of book. It, it looks like a found media. Seen. It looks like someone has totally. found these paintings and then just cut them out, stuck them in, and then put word balloons on it and made up a story around the artworks. Yeah, but, that, but that's doing a disservice to the storytelling that Ray Fox is capable of. Mm-hmm. But it, that, yeah, it's not something. It's not like like Siobhan was saying. It's not typical comic book art. Yeah, it's yeah, but it's like really cool and really beautiful. And I I really like this book, and it's such a. Um, you know, Ray Fox writes and does. Sorry, Ray Fox does the um, writes it and is the artist and does the colors and everything. And it's such a um, his vision perfectly realized on the page, which is really satisfying to read. Yeah, definitely. Um, over to uh, Renato Jones, season two, freelancer number two, are uh, written by Car, written, drawn, and colored and owned by Car, Kyle and Andrews. This is another fun edition of this very like silly book that uh 
he stresses isn't a political book, but has a very political kind of overtones in which like the richest character that we've been introduced to in this book is now the president, which mm-hmm. happened very fast. Mm. But I think we're going to get a lot of good laughs from that. The first laugh is that, you know, even though this immensely powerful man has become president, he's found that he has actually no power to do anything on his own. And we just get two pages of that. And then yeah. we're going to move on to the story of him being reunited with a character that we met in one of the first um, maybe the first issue mm. of Renata Jones and <clears throat> she's struggling now and uh, re- can, like, re-meets uh, Renato Jones and is scared shitless because she, she knows who he really is. <coughs> also, I thought this was a great issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Someone fan art has sent in a picture of Renata Jones with, with Donald Trump. Classic. Not political at all, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this is just more, more, more of the same, but it's a very good same. Yeah. I enjoy this series And uh, it's good to see the story kind of moving along nicely. Um, last image book I read was uh, Green Valley issue nine. You are um, crazy, bro. Well, this is uh, this one actually came out a few weeks ago, but only just shipped to Kings last week. Um, written by Max Landis with art by Giuseppe Comencoli. Well, I think he's doing Star Wars books now. Mm. Um, uh, and this was yeah the the kind of skybound book about a bunch of knights who um, uh, lose everything dear to them and their and their you know and their their castle basically, and then they end up uh, trying to stop, rid, rid the rid a town of a wizard who turns out to be someone from the future with crazy tech. Um, and I have to say, like, even though I didn't like this series the whole way through, especially like the, the it, it, there, were, there were some interesting things in that first issue, but I thought overall it was just like a boring story about men that, mm. you've, that you've read so many times before. I actually think it, it was quite a satisfying ending. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, for a book that I complain about every issue of, I was weirdly happy with the way it ended. That's nice. Maybe I'm just happy that it's ended. But, <laughs> but no, I, de- I definitely, I definitely, I don't regret that I re- that I read this book. Oh, that's good. It was a book that that I think got stronger as it continued, as opposed mm. to the other way around, which books are more prone to doing. Those are our image reviews. We've got uh, four more, four more books to review. Five ish books so, uh, from uh, other publishers. Uh, Exo Manowar um, by Matt Kint, Doug, Doug Braithwaite, Diego Rodriguez um, over at Valiant. Um, just continued being a very solid um, action superhero book set in a in a crazy world. Totally. I enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, the art is wonderful and, and, and very unique to this book mm-hmm. um, and, and, and suits the tone of Mike, Matt Kint's writing perfectly. Yeah. Matt Kint, yeah, he really needs a unique, different kind of artist for his books. I, I, I can't imagine him doing a book for like... You know that you know the the, the DC house style totally. book or Marvels, you know more classic superhero stuff. I like it needs some you know the paintedness to it for sure. Agreed. Um, over at Aftershock, I fucking loved issue three of Eleanor and the Egret by John. How Lehman. bizarrely great is this series? Yeah, and I really really hope so. This is like a a, a crazy story about art theft using an egret and the artist that they're thieving art from is maybe a horrible person mm-hmm. and yeah the, the egret eats the art and then there's a monster trying to catch Eleanor on the egret and there's like a bunch of like fun kind of like classic disguising adventure stuff in mm-hmm. it and the, the 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 art by Sam Keith most famous for the Max changes from being like this like looks like he drew it with his left hand <laughs> to being like this gorgeous watercolor and then like super sinister throwback the Max style um it was, it was this is, book is so weird it's and so, so bizarre, cool and, but I enjoy every issue so much and I think Layman is actually a really good writer for Sam Keith's crazy art style and it's really interesting cuz like this is much more sort of toned down in terms of violence as opposed to most Sam Keith stuff that when there is a moment of violence it's really horrifying yeah, and like this, upsetting and this ends on a, a, a pretty shocking uh, 
uh, cliffhanger. Yeah, but really, like, so weird, but such good fun. I like this series a lot. Yeah. Um, Aftershock uh, are putting out some... Aftershock are just doing whatever the hell they want. It's great. Yeah, I'm into um, it. I really hope that when this gets collected as, as, a, as like, a trade, it's, like, a beautiful hardcover with, mm. like... Really, I forgot to review all the paper stock of all the issues. Oh no! Um, this paper stock was fine. I've got, I've got three more to go. <laughs> um, Jughead this week, written by Mark Wade and Flynn, Derek Charm, issue number sixteen of Jughead. Um, I think this might be the last issue of Jughead for a while. Oh really? Yeah. Normally they have like next month, and there's no next month Jughead. Mm, interesting. Um, I, uh, I I thought I love this was, Derek Charm. Yeah, Derek Charm is 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 definitely the the the, the best artist over at Archie right now. I think. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean this, this issue though, as a whole in which, uh, Jughead has to convince all of Riverdale and Josie and the Pussycats to not fall in love with him using the help of Sabrina, the teenage witch, it was fun, I guess, but, um, Mark Wade's attempt at jokes, especially jokes that ape Ryan North and Chip Zdarsky's humor, Mm. I didn't think were very successful. No, it's not the funniest issue of Jughead, but it was a it was a good wrap up to that little story arc and some funny use of Reggie and Derek Charm is good enough to sell some of the jokes, you know. Yeah, that's true, and I, I enjoyed the throwback to um, Afterlife with Archie as well. Yeah, that was really good fun. Yeah, but I I hope we get more Jughead. Me too. I think that would be that'd be so weird if they cancelled Jughead. Um, but I think I just hope they find a, a a new writer for it. Who would you like to see write this book? You. Me. Okay, great. <laughs> Sold. Um, Dark Horse put out a new issue of Rebels, these free and independent states this week by Brian Wood and Andrea Mutti, Lauren Affey and Matt Taylor. This is the um, early 1800s uh, sequel uh, set during the, um, the uh, was it the War of Independence? Is that what it's called? When, like, just after the Boston Tea Party kind of vibes around about I mm-hmm. fucked it up I don't know. it's around it's 1800s uh, yeah. America. America. you need to know somewhat a, a little bit more than me that, of your American history to enjoy this book fully but I thought this was a really strong issue in which the only character that understands the main character um, falls at war um, and there's a brilliant like I don't think I've ever seen like you know we see it in movies all the time like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies but I've never seen like a ship battle in mm. comic form before and it was quite thrilling mm. um and uh yeah when, when the 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 finale ends with uh you know this guy who's been obsessed with with boats to the point that it's all he's good at and all he wants to talk about and all he can communicate about um is now uh, he's now like pretty much he's, he's he may not be allowed to be near this beloved boat of his ever again oh no i like this book a lot and it's really really cool but it's not very much not for everyone yeah um, finally, I read Nam Wolf issue number three by Fabian Wrangell Jr., Logan Faber, Brendan Wagner, and Warren Montgomery over at Albatross Publishing. Uh, this is the book that combines uh, werewolves with Vietnam, and I, I really enjoyed uh, this, you know, if quite silly issue in which the um, the government have taken a hold of Nam Wolf and are turning them into turning him into something that they can control. Mm. Fun shit. That's fun, very silly. Fun shit. Um, one thing that I also read, which I just wanted to mention quickly, just because it is the next book for Queens of Kings, is, um, I won't go into too much detail because maybe we'll talk about it in the next month, but um, I read all of The Dreaming by Australian manga creator Queenie Chan, which is going to be our next book for Queens of Kings, which is happening on July 23rd, 5.30pm at King's Comics, 310 Pitt Street. Queenie is a legend in the local industry, and she's going to be coming on along and doing a special presentation about being a woman in the industry but also just how to get your shit published um which is awesome if you 
we have any female listeners in Sydney who are interested in creating their own comics, I really highly recommend um, coming down to hear what Queenie has to say because she is a woman who gets shit done. Like she had this published by Tokyo Pop. It has been republished by Tokyo Pop. She publishes all her own stuff. She's an amazing self promoter. Um, and you know, she's a really good person um, to having have on your side as well as making some really good comics. This is a really spooky comic that um, I had to stop reading because it was too oh, scary wow. and then continue reading the next day. That's amazing. It's got too dark for it. Um, that's all it for the reviews this week, uh, which means we just got to tell you what to go get next week. There's a Gumby comic, everybody. Guys. Gumby's back in comic form. There's a Casper the Friendly Ghost comic, everybody. Casper's back in comic form. Finally. <clears throat> um, we also get a new, two new Spider-Man books. No, one new Spider-Man book. Good Lord. And a, and a Thor Ragnarok prequel book. Those are never good, so don't get that. <laughs> um, there's a new Rick and Morty book. Uh, there is the final issue of Jupiter's Legacy number two. Oh, what? Um, finally, after a long, long I hiatus. I don't remember what happened in that. Yeah, I think a dad died at some point. <laughs> oh, good. Um, and uh, there is a new book by Ulysses Farinas and Eric Freitas Yay. called Claudia and Rex, which I, I, I think that of out. all the books to uh, maybe add to your pool list, add that one because he's extremely good. That sounds great. Maybe possibly get some new favorites, uh, sorry, new issues of our favorites like Jasmine at number two, uh, Motor Girl has a seventh issue, awesome. Snot Girl Returns. <sighs> That's exciting. New Stray Bullets, new Sun Bakery, new Superman. There's what a some good great week. Stuff. Great oh week. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Uh, so make sure you tune back into us. In the meantime, try and find us online. It's very easy. Head to facebook.com slash podcast or facebook.com slash groups slash podcast to talk to us about comics 24 hours a day. The group over there has gotten so big that we've had to put in charge two new people that are going to do all the good things that admins should do. Like remember to do a panel of the week post every week that I always Thanks, forget. Thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca is on, on, on the case. And the aforementioned Wokers team in Australia, Connor, are our new admins. So welcome to your live your lives of admining. Thanks guys. Oh, one final thing that I wanted to mention quickly before we sign off is this week um, at King's Comics we are celebrating independent comics. So you can get um, 20% off anything that isn't published by DC, Marvel, Dark Horse or Image which leads leaves a huge amount. So all of our mangas on sale, anything by RDW, anything by Xenoscope, Fantagraphics, like there's so much that's... Um, really really good and you can check that out on our website you just need to use the code indie 17 if you have a gold card you get an extra five percent off use the code indie 17 gold we will also be having the second annual king's comics zine fair this saturday which i'm very excited about from 11 a.m till 4 p.m it's going to be a really fun day we have a really sick lineup of local creators including one of our queens of kings sapphire who does this awesome comic called generic girl which i'm very um very geeked about so that She's should be geeked, a really fun everybody. day. I'm geeked. Siobhan's geek levels are up. <laughs> I love local comics, guys. <laughs> um, you can find us uh, over at our Patreon page. Please join up, become a member, and get a whole bunch of extra new comment- content when we produce it and put it out. There'll be lots coming in the next month. Absolutely. Um, Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter too, at Serious underscore underscore issues, or individually at Siobhan CBG mm-hmm. on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at LevDog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Go check out my other podcast, Hey Fam and The Mitchin. And uh, Mitchin has videos now. We do. You, you watch can see them? what Levens looks like. I see them pop up a lot, but <laughs> you're like, I don't like food. <laughs> I lived with Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to sh- give a quick shout out to uh, Tristan, who uh, has blessed us with artwork and gave Siobhan a baby gift a while ago. I complained, said, "Hey, Tristan, I've got two kids," so he just sent me a beer. <laughs> Just a beer. Thank you, Tristan. Thank you, Tristan. I'll give it to my kids. (laughs) (laughs) See everybody next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. 
Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.